Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 13, the show where we are reminded halfway through the season, actually, slightly more than halfway through the season, oh yeah, that's right, there's a big bad for this. Well, this is officially the halfway point, isn't it? Wait, no, I'm thinking of 24, and it's 22, huh? Yeah. 21? Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, that's because Children of the Gods is yeah. like... Basically two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, more than yeah. halfway through. More than season. halfway through. That's like, oh, that's right. There's a big bad guy. Yeah. That's, that's right. There's a villain. We, we were like, traveling the world for some reason. Right. Like, in that, oh, I feel like he maybe kidnapped my wife or and my surrogate son. I mean, but I don't know. Just, it's weird how that works. Although I will um, give a defense for the fact that we were talking about how fire and water was just kind of plopped down in the um, order. Yeah. He's just bringing, he just started talking about Shadi to, um, what's his face? The fish monster. <laughs> True. And then we finally come back to Apophis. So there's a little correlation there. Oh, yeah. And then Chulak is right in between. So, like, right. it's, it's nice and sandwiched, it, it, actually. It is there. It's just, it's. I still hate that Hathor <laughs> is is after Bloodlines, but that's on me. Hathor has to, the fact that Hathor has to exist, period. I'm upset <laughs> that Hathor has to exist, but there's no reason. Well, maybe there's going to be something in the episode that'll correct my thoughts here, but there's no reason Hathor couldn't have happened before Bloodlines. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm Mel. And I'm Liz. And uh, this is episode 12 of the show called The Knox. I call it that one with Armin Shimmerman in it. You do. I love him. He was Quark. I, I, I loved Quark in DS9. I mean, he was just, he was just so terrible. You had to love him. I didn't watch it. Well, I guess we're changing that at some point. Okie <laughs> uh, dokie. Synapse. 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 Okay. Well, the synapse of this episode. Because mine aren't there, <laughs> The synopsis for the episode is When a planned ambush goes disastrously awry, resulting in fatalities among the SG 1 team, the peace loving Nox restore them to life. But while these gentle people can bring back the dead, can they resist the deadly technology of the bloodthirsty Goa'uld? Boy, spoilers! They don't uh, even want you to have any sort of... Uh, well, I, I guess we can go to the death tally right now, can't we? I was just like, okay, cool, that was, uh... Time to go change the death tally. Yeah. Somebody needs to explain what suspense means. I mean, sure. There's... In the same way that, like, no one's gonna believe you killed Daniel... Last episode, right. no one's gonna believe the whole team died. <laughs> oh, in well, this episode. there goes the show. I guess they're just hiring a whole new main cast. But right. when the synopsis starts with their death and resurrection, yeah, it's a little like, where's the, where's the suspense? You, it's like you don't really need to add that synopsis. We're all aware of what's gonna have to happen, but you don't have to immediately take out any sense of. Uh, they don't even have. Mystique. A sense of mystique in the synopsis. I know. In the in one sentence, they kill them and resurrect them. They don't do like a sentence. Oh, they died. Another sentence. Oh, but they got resurrected. No, it's one sentence that yeah. both things happen. It's probably because they're trying to focus mostly on because the episode it's is about mostly the Nox, about morality. Not the ambush, yeah. yeah, it's all about morality and uh, their you know evils of prime directive type qualities and. But the morality narrative is stupid. Yeah, well, it's... It doesn't, it doesn't apply at all. Nope. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's cool, uh, they're trying to kill us, what's your point? <laughs> right, it's like, this, right, my favorite thing about it is that this entire episode, to me, is just one of the most, uh, hypocritical things ever, because they start with using their technology 
to interfere. Mm -hmm. And then spend the rest of the episode talking about how they're not going to interfere. It's like, pick one. No one made you come out of hiding to do this. You don't get to do that. Introduce yourselves. Introduce your concepts. And then just flutter away and go like, alright, bye. Peace. Have fun. And the fact that, like, they even get shot in their own foot with their morality at one point. Yeah. And yet they still refuse to admit, okay, maybe we effed up there. Yeah, no, I... The episode itself, I don't hate. I think I mentioned this last week. At the yeah, end of the episode, it's a good episode. Yeah, it's a good episode. I just, oh my goodness, do I have so many? If these people were real and I could talk to them, I would just sit there and be like, and scream yeah. for like twenty seconds straight before I start talking. It's like you are infuriating. Well, there's a reason they get paired up with the Tolan, who are also awful. Right, right. Like they're not bad people, no. but they're bad personalities. No. They have the mentality that. Okay, maybe not quite this bad, but like, remember, like, there's a. Uh, did you ever see that movie, The Missionary? No. The Mission? I think it's actually The Mission. Robert De Niro and, uh, shit. Um, Jer- uh, Jer- Jeremy Irons. I uh, years watch and... Robert De Niro movie. Oh, it was a very, very long time ago. Um, anyway, it's all about these, uh, two missionaries who go to the jungle and, you know, to set, you know, civilize some savages kind of thing. And it's actually based on a true story. Uh, they actually, you know, succeeded, quote unquote, you know, they brought religion to them. Uh huh. Um, and then, of course, after, uh, I forgot which. I forgot which country they're from. It's like, you know, Spain or England or some such. You know, decides, fuck it. We want to kill them all. We want their uh, their land. You know, the whole of nine course, yards. Yeah. After they've already been converted to Christianity. And so they're like, hey, see, their souls are safe, so you can't do this to them because they're not just, they're not just savages. Mm-hmm. Now they're people. Um, and they have to try to prove the worth of these people to their, uh, to yeah. the monarchy. So they actually bring with them one of these native kids and put them on display and oh, make the no. and have the kids sing. Because uh, the kid has like a you know beautiful high voice and everything and they make them sing like some so hymn gross. or something, like a psalm type shit. Whatever the hell it is. They make them sing some kind of religious song for the the king or something. And you know, it doesn't sway anything it's like, yeah, you can you can teach a savage to sing, you can teach a parrot to sing, kinda of, it's a whole disgusting thing. But it's that mentality of looking down and being like, Look at look what we can give these people and then be like, but fuck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's obviously a very, very different kind of story, but it still has that feel of White people, upper, really, really high up, civilized folk looking down at non-civilized folk and being like, well, they have potential, but fuck it. I wonder if the point of this episode, was, and this one, and then the one with the Tolan later, was to show that you can have that, you know, advanced civilization but not be evil, mm-hmm. but it does create a disconnect. Exactly, and that disconnect is what can become its own villain. It, it's, it's your own kind of like your own. Uh, oh my god, what demon or something that can become? If you don't, if you don't pay attention, it can change mm-hmm. everything about you without you realizing. It's it's almost oh the Tolan. Yeah. I think the Tolan does it better. Yeah, which I love is that. crazy I love the considering part. how we started this show, like being like, oh, Catherine Powers, because that that's an episode with Catherine oh, Powers. No. I think the Tolan does it better because um, the Tolan suffer for their humans. Yeah, th- exactly. Their humans come back to bite them. In a very obvious way. And yeah, the Nox do too. Mm-hmm. But they shake it off real quick. Right. There's because no Because they have um, a deus ex machina to like fix it. Whereas the Tolan, they're just like, well, <laughs> the Tolan can't fix their, their mistake. Maybe it's because the Tolan are still human in the end. That's maybe that's true. maybe that's supposed to be like a, a yeah, metaphor the for our humanity. Are ours, yeah. Whereas um, the Nox are are one of the original four, four, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We uh, the humans had potential to be the fifth race. That was what the Asgard said yeah, eventually. Yeah. But yeah, so I think maybe that's just so. Yeah, that maybe is. that's the difference. Yeah, there's a metaphor there, probably. 
same time, that flaw in humanity, it's also kind of able to be reflected upon in a way it's like that they can learn from it. Mm-hmm. They may they might be wiped out completely, but they might not, and they might be have, they have a chance to learn from it. Yeah. The mocks are kind of just too far gone in my opinion. They're kind of presented in that way. Yeah, it's funny because like <laughs> they're just too disconnected now. What's interesting about the um difference between the two is that um the knocks at first glance seem more friendly, but it's impossible to connect with them. Yeah. Whereas it's, the it's that Tolan, condescending friendly it's honestly the Tolan start Awful. Right. Like, insanely condescending. Like, the only one who's not yeah, they're so overt rude as hell is the one who's into Sam. <laughs> yeah, crushy make a boner sin, is that Yeah, yeah, him? exactly. Um, but the leader of the Tolan, after he comes to slightly trust them, mm-hmm. does actually find a way to communicate with Daniel, yeah. but, like, there's, some kind of there's an there. actual communication there instead of just, like... Well, I don't agree with you, and you don't agree with me, so we'll just part ways. Bye. Which is what happens with the Nox at the end. That's basically it. Like, okay, you have your way, we have our way. We won't bring our way to your place. Just don't bring your way to our place. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's a good episode, and I'm looking forward to uh, the episode in general. Yeah. And I love the acting. Armin Shimmerman, oh, yeah, for yeah, example, yeah. he does a Even that great little job kid does a really right? good job. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to just hating the shit <laughs> out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we already had one episode like that, and Emancipation turned out okay, at, like, our recording-wise. Yes. <laughs> not not episode-wise. Yeah. It's still as bad as we remember, but yeah. but this episode is actually good mm-hmm. instead of just being miserable all around. Yeah. All right. So, we're going to go watch this shit? Yeah, we're going to go watch it, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Hello, we're back. We are. I mean, the episode was as good as I remember. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely have realized that it wasn't until about, I guess, five or six years ago now was around the time I started actually paying attention to, like, acting, like, facial acting, for example. Uh-huh. You know, like, it's one thing to know, like, ooh, this is good acting, or subconsciously be like, wow, that's shit right Yeah. Now. There's, you know, this obvious stuff, but subtlety. Yeah, really, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. really paying attention for that stuff, enjoying what that means. And this show is good for that. Yeah, I just, uh, I never had the appreciation for it, before, you know, before, when I watched these kinds of episodes. So, having that newer, you know, that appreciation for this round through was a lot of fun, because, especially with Armin Shimmerman, because he, yeah. he was great. He was really good, even if his character was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I liked the older one, he was wonderful. Yeah, he was great. All the actors' names are all really cool. Like, the chick who plays um the female yeah. Knox, uh, her name is uh, Frida Betrani. Like, oh. it's all like... Cool sounding names. That is a nice Her name, name matches her face, honestly. Yep, yeah. It's just as She's got a great face. Good sounding. Unimportant but awesome to me. <laughs> Alright, so we saw the Knox. Yeah. Uh the writer of this is a new one. Um, it's Hart Hansen. Yeah, which my the trivia kinda threw me for a loop on that. <laughs> because oh, yeah. this is uh the only episode apparently he writes for the show. Which hey, if this is his contribution, I'll take it. It's not a bad episode. It actually yeah. It's fairly good in terms of your basic... Because, hey, it's not a lot of character development. 
it's like it's like any significant you know character development, but it's also a couple of little subtle things that will come into play later. Yeah, like so. where we're talking about what I believe this episode is really about mm-hmm. uh, when we get to it. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, but, but <laughs> I, st- I I I literally not that I didn't believe the trivia, but I had to do my version of Snopesing it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. But yeah, Hart Hansen is in fact the guy who uh, yeah created the show Bones, which. Whether or not you like Bones, it was a long-running, successful TV show. So the fact that he created that, it's just weird when you're like, only episode to contribute to the show. But by the way, <laughs> he also just did this entire other massive project. So clearly he kind of knows what he's doing. I'm going to say something that's going to surprise nobody at this point in yeah. the podcast. I've never seen Bones. Oh, See, I got into it because it had David Boreanaz in it. Um, and I loved Angel was over. I was depressed. <laughs> And I went, hey, it's not Angel, but it's this guy. See, I didn't, I've never seen Angel either. And I didn't see Buffy when it was airing. The only reason I saw Buffy is because after my uncle died, I inherited a whole bunch of his DVDs. And one of them was season one of Buffy. I'm just ignoring your shocked face right now. There was a summer where I was really bored. So I literally just started watching every single one of the DVDs I inherited from him. I remember season one of Buffy. I remember the talented Mr. Ripley. Nice. So, yeah, that was the writer, Hart Hansen. Uh, the director is another newbie, uh, Charles Correll. I wasn't blown away with his <laughs> shots. The fact that we, uh, is, you know, this is the best part about the fact that I, you know, do the editing is I was just editing an episode where we were talking about how much we hated the director's choices and, and cuts and everything. Yeah. So it's funny to me because right now in my mind I'm thinking, well, it's better than that, motherfucker. Fair. No, I will give you that. It's... Definitely better than those uh, those cuts. I don't remember the episode, but I distinctly remember how bad the cuts were. Yeah, it's just... Which episode was it? Um, I'm thinking specifically of Bloodlines. Oh, Bloodlines had such bad cuts. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. I was just... Yeah, because I just finished The thing is, when you said we were con- complaining about cuts, I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because... Oh, it was the fight! The fight Ray-tack. scene with Greytag, yeah! Okay, <laughs> yeah. yes. I couldn't remember yeah, what episode it was. Just the fact that it was so bullshit how it was done. Yeah. This... No, no, Charles Carell is better yeah. at directing... Then whoever did Bloodlines, hang yeah. on. I'm going I'm to backtrack I think, and find out. I honestly think uh, this guy, Carell's biggest flaw right Carell now. is better than As a Party. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Based on this one episode we've seen of him, obviously, of his work, Carell's biggest flaw to me is he... How do I, how do I say this? His inexperience, I think, not like with directing shows, it was that he doesn't understand logic, really. Like, having character... Like, the way he directs a character, like, like let's say Sam needs to get shot, right? Yeah. And obviously it has to happen because of a certain sequence of events, and that's part of the episode writing, right? That's not necessarily his choice. Yeah, yeah. However, how he directs, like, the camera angles, how he directs the shots, how he directs the scene... Forces the character Forces the character dumb... Yeah. Yeah, dumb decisions happen and are presented in a way that is... He's responsible for how it occurs. See, that's your complaint. My complaint (sighs) is that, like, it was more noticeable in the action scenes, but they felt very trite. They okay. felt like like something you've seen all the time. Oh yeah, nothing about this was unique. Yeah, but there was no uh, unique but, aspect. Like the way that first ambush was shot, yeah. it made me think of Universal Studios Hollywood, the tram ride. Okay, okay, I can. Um, can you see where I'm going? Yes, with this? it's just very boring. Yeah, it's boring. It's very structured. It's uninspired as shit. It's very like. <laughs> One, two, three, now your turn. Five, six, now your turn. It, 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 I, I still can't think of the right word for it, but like, 
Paint by numbers? Yes, he's very paint by numbers with his scenes, at least for the action. Yeah. I think a lot of the other stuff was not egregious, but mm-hmm. it wasn't inspired either. I just don't know if Corel's good for action yeah. scenes. I always prefer, especially like with, if there's any kind of firefight shit going down, obviously there's people who are in a, a, positions of cover versus positions of, you know, mm-hmm. no cover. That's That's how that works. I always appreciate the, for some fucking reason, extremely underdone version of a directing that kind of scene or camera work style even where you have let's say for some reason you uh, you decide to have the camera down low yeah where your enemy is basically being mm-hmm. attacked in this case you can have one shot where the camera's kind of like moving or panning around where you're getting all the action and yet you don't need to do a thousand cuts where you can do you, you maybe you can do a couple because sometimes one pan shot there's too many you know visual barriers yeah. I can I can understand that, but you could have done this thing where like the camera kind of pans around, you get a kind of angle because of it, and not so not only do you have an uninterrupted flow of what's occurring, you also can see reaction, action, and reaction as it's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. And when you do it right, you can add a much more realistic, dramatic element where even when you're completely aware that this is a forty-five minute episode of a TV show and you know nothing bad's going to happen to your people, even when you know everything, you're so, you can make your heart jump a little bit because you can kind of feel like you're in the moment more. Yeah. And you can feel the gravity of it just a little bit more. Yeah, you know what? That's what the problem is with the action scene. It's because every single moment in the action scene was clearly filmed with, like, two hours separating it. Every person had, was alone in the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't, they don't And they were framed directly in the shot. Yeah, exactly. And they had, like, a five-second mm-hmm. action scene, and then your scene's done, let's move on to the next person. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it felt like Universal Studios exactly. Hollywood tram ride, where you've got the person doing the, the tram ride narration, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh no, looks like Maybe. it's flooding, and then suddenly down to the left exactly. you see water rushing Q-U, towards you. Q-U, yes, Q-U, exactly. Q-U. It's cute. It's like that thing I was, bitch- uh, you know, but not really, but that thing I was laughing about with uh, Star Trek First Contact, where you can see that extra clearly waiting yes. on his mark, and you cool, go. <laughs> you can, like, see him, you literally can see his head bob. He's like, and go. Like, yes, that kind of feel. Uh-huh. Like, obviously, the choice that this guy made, he decided he was gonna focus on the, oh, no, the all is lost moment where they're getting shot. He was focused, he, yeah. he wanted to focus on that, which isn't in, a, in and of itself a mistake, but because of how he decided to focus mm-hmm. on it, it separates everything Absolutely. entirely. It becomes so segmented that it just doesn't feel like a scene anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just lose any attachment to it. Yeah, exactly. It's that's, not what, that's, that's what the problem that's was. boring, but it is just kind of like, all right, so this is happening. Yeah, cool. exactly. Well, I sure hope this isn't going to end poorly for Like, them. I'll definitely still take Corel over as a party. Right. So it's like, it's, it's definitely mistakes were made. Yeah. But at least you kind of can see why, I guess. I'm, I'm going to wildly make an assumption here, but I'm wondering if Corel was like a newer director it and felt, just didn't. Ha- he felt like yeah, a newer. I was like director. Oh, I didn't. I didn't want to say because I, I don't know. Yeah, but that's I, why I was like, I'm making I'm a wild say, assumption here. I'm not going to say he's inexperienced, but it does kind of feel mm-hmm. like it. It just doesn't. Yeah, it 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 left room for. It could just use more time in the oven. Yeah, it could have used uh, more polish. Even if this is all the footage you had, you could have done different things with it. But in the end, it's ultimately not the worst, and you at least it gets the point across without having to do bullshit cut sequence. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a bullshit cut se- you know, series of cuts like it was in Bloodlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's just where you, you go from, all right, this could be better, to, okay, you missed that mark by, like, a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it, it, that, what's that line from Friends? The line is a dot to you. You've crossed that line, and it is now a dot. So, 
Alright. Uh, so let's get into the episode itself now. <laughs> hey, I actually like having like a brief like no, no, ten minute I... period of just like of the directing. Because directing choices, unless they stand out, we don't tend to talk about them as much during. Yeah. So it's kinda good to reflect that's, on. That's that's the thing. Um this show the majority Yeah. There's not much that stands out to us for no. directing. It, there's nothing so far, egregious, yeah. mm-hmm. but there's nothing amazing. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple of like really good directors, and we've had a like one really bad one. <laughs> and yeah. then like like we said, we really didn't like the uh, action scenes here. But mm-hmm. in general, yeah. So like when we have something to talk about with the directing, it's nice. I just realized uh, <laughs> Joel Goldsmith did the music for this episode too, because this episode was actually apparently. So slight fun fact: this episode was nominated for an Emmy. Outstanding, uh, outstanding music composition for a series. You know what? Dramatic I'll give it underscore that. Joel Goldsmith, and he's the guy who did the music for the movie. The, so it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the music really sets the scene mm-hmm. uh, and the tone for the whole episode. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. So now we can get into the episode. Yeah, okay. I, just, I just needed to mention that before I forgot. <laughs> All right. So uh, the episode opens up with the team giving a demonstration of the way that the gate works to, they call him secretary, I don't know what he, oh, he's uh, a government shit. type. I literally just had it up. Um, secretary of Defense, David Swift. <laughs> and I don't this care. is the episode that begins a long-running theme of malcontent towards the SGC. Yeah, I just call them government type in my notes, because it doesn't matter. Right. They're all interchangeable. Well, because they're, he's basically replaced with the um, NID later. Oh, God. Remember that they just, yes. it's West, it, oh, I can't remember if West, now, West isn't part of the NID, I don't think, but he's just a dick outside the, the NID, or maybe he supports the NID. Anyway, the NID suck. Q. Uh, John DeLancey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was an ID. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. has. Yeah. Uh-huh, 100%. So, all he's the big bads. the only bads. place I remember being right. in the NID. Yeah, but all, all the big bads came from the NID, and the NID, as a concept, this was the beginning of what mm-hmm. would become that in this motherfucker. Um, so they're giving him a, a rundown of how Gate works. Sam does her little science spew. I do love that she says, what you're looking at is the uh, event horizon of an artificially created wormhole, to which I understand. It's for the audience. I, I'm not going to go on about it, but I'm just going to point out, wormholes are not naturally occurring. Wormholes are artificially created. <laughs> it just, the fact, I... If I was an astrophysicist in that position, I would probably say those words too. It makes the line makes yeah. sense, but I would be bleeding inside having to say that. She'd have to say that to because this it makes government. It, it type. also makes it sound more impressive. Yes, like mm-hmm. it's, this, and this that's is a thing that that's we can what this make. whole thing is that they're doing here. Mm-hmm. They're trying to put on a show. Like uh, everyone's in there the in their dress blues and everything. Yeah. Your typical like, song and dance crap. It's, yeah, it's clear this is an important deal, and everyone's like doing their best. And I love the fact that they're, like, making a point of, Daniel, just stand in the background, don't talk. I know. He's just, like, almost hiding behind yes, that... Yes, he is! I can't... That, that map thing that yeah, they use. Yeah, they but. definitely, like, <laughs> Jack took him aside before the secretary showed up and was like, okay, Daniel, I need you not to talk. Yes, remember, children are to be seen and not heard. <laughs> Go over here. <laughs> and Daniel does keep quiet for yeah, a while. Has some little bitch faces. That's about it. Mm, yeah. Well, he makes sure to have the bitch faces at the guy's yeah. back. So my, my bitch face moment was when she's explaining the Stargate thing and explains this incredibly amazing thing. To which the guy goes, like, I forgot exactly what his word choice was, but he was just so fucking blasé. Like, oh, cool. And it's like, bitch, you're looking at a fucking wormhole. <laughs> that is. He also dismissed the Apollo program, though. That was such a that was such a trigger for me. But you're supposed to hate him. I you're know. supposed to hate I him. I was like, we left the confines of our planet and landed on a different celestial body. That is impressive as 
fuck. And Ellie Bright was some back with some moon rocks. Go fuck the thing yourself. Is, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be infuriating. I know. It because works. they're looking at who's watching this show. Yeah. It's going to be people who are fascinated with the idea of travel right. and seeing the universe and everything. Right. Which means they would be <laughs> as mad as you are mm-hmm. about space travel being dismissed so casually. What is it? Honestly, that is the most, that element of dismissal is the most accurate thing about this show. Yeah. Is the fact that the guy makes that asinine comment about, and we never went back to the moon. Like, to which everybody on, who gives a shit about the progress of humanity is sitting out here going, yeah, motherfucker, why is that? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what exactly what happened. The government got bored. Yeah, exactly. They, well, they, 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 they followed through on the- Russia, so yeah, they were done. Exactly. They followed through on the program, not just, not just to beat Russia, but because Kennedy said we would, and then Kennedy got assassinated, and it was a whole big thing for, like, the American people. Yeah. And then once they did it, it was amazing how fast they stopped televising the later launches oh, yeah. and shit, because people lost interest almost immediately. Mm-hmm. The fact that people were able to lose interest in going to the moon is astounding to me. I cannot even begin to understand that mentality. So the guy making those shit little fucker comments is just- that narrow-minded idiocy is so real. It's so yeah. real, and it hurts me inside. And it's honestly the best thing about the show sometimes is that thread of normal, real-life mm-hmm. everything in this. So I actually I hate him, and I will bitch about him, but yeah, I appreciate absolutely. how they did it because he's not even in it for very long, no. but he perfectly sums up and has that emotional punch of an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does exactly what he needs to. Exactly. Um, I do like that we learned that they've been to 19 new worlds. Yeah, that was cool. Which, so here's the thing. So, yeah, you know, it's episode 12 on the DVDs. Yeah. Um, apparently it's episode 8, according to, like, you know, the Which means the it's usual. double the... Yeah, which, first off, is dumb, because I was mentioning when we were watching it, is that that would mean it was before Bloodlines, and yeah. how they're doing it, which makes no sense no. then. Sorry. Yeah, it makes no sense that it's before Bloodlines, because why would Teal'c then go mm. to that massive risk of going back to Chula? after the fact. It doesn't make sense. So it's good that on the DVDs they did it smarter. That's impressive that... It, eight episodes in, they're already t- 19 mm-hmm. planets. It's a little less little less of an impressive number when you're on episode 12. There's only seven more planets, but it's not that much Yeah, but impressive. when you consider that the first two episodes, they only went to Chulak. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not really... And then Bloodlines, they also went back to Chulak. Exactly. No, I'm still... So 19 there's definitely, planets. There's probably... There's got to be at least 10, maybe a dozen planets they've gone to that we haven't exactly. seen. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm, I'm 100%... Mm-hmm. My whole thing about it, it does tell you how much traveling they do, that if it was originally episode 8... 19 planets already yeah. is a lot. Mm-hmm. They're definitely, they're booking it. Uh, and I, I I really do yeah. like that. It's cool. But yeah, this guy is all like, okay, we don't care about how many planets you've gone to. We want you to bring back weapons and technology. Okay, yeah, and they've been to 19 planets. Out of how many hundreds of millions? Mm-hmm. Like, granted, the cartridge only has maybe a few thousand versus a yeah. hundred million. The point is, 19 is a massively insignificant number. The ratio, the chances exactly. of finding it's anything. Like, <laughs> they don't know where they're going. How do you, and he even asks, like, something about how do you know where he's... How, oh, yeah, because where he's asking, because uh, the team's going through. Yeah. And they're like, oh, where are they going? And Hammond gives off one of the P3X blah, 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 yeah. designations. And the guy goes, oh, how do you know where they're going? And they're like, we don't. That's why we go through. Like... Yeah, if we don't know where we're going, we can't promise that we're going to come back with weapons and technology. Right. Dude, you literally just pointed out a flaw in your own little asinine argument. So, government officials in a nutshell, but... Uh, also, can we just take a moment to reflect on the fact that Donna Davis had the patience of a saint? Because season one, General Hammond, is ultimately a source of great 
wisdom, emotional maturity, oversight, or he's just a guy who exposes a couple of lines and then goes away for the yep. rest of the episode. He's ultimately very important, or just like a tiny little plot device. And he takes it, you can just, nothing about him is not unchill. I love Donna Seuss. Yeah, so I, I have even more appreciation for him for the fact that he has, like, one line in this episode. He does! It's a nothing line, too. That's like the one line he has, yeah. huh? Which, I love him, and he puts up with so much. But yeah, but this dumbass makes some comment uh, comparing their travels to uh, Marco Polo. I I've, I set this up for you. <laughs> no, Go thank for you, it. thank you. Sam's face in that too was great when he. I'm I'm just ready yeah. for you. Because so yeah, he they mentioned that they're you know, going through the plants and trying to find things, and he says, "Well, Marco Polo didn't just bring back some exotic spices to wit, uh, to which I say yes, he did. He literally that's literally all he did. Yeah, he brought back some tales of wonder. But first off, he wasn't even the first guy to go to China." He wasn't the first European to travel the Silk Road. Nothing he did hadn't happened before. Not to dismiss what he did. The guy was, he, he knew four languages. The guy was really smart. His family was connected. And he had the, the, the lust for exploration. So I'm down. I, I appreciate it. But that's basically all he did was bring back spices. I honestly, I actually did, I looked him up to see like what kind of trade routes he established. There was nothing about trade routes he actually, he wasn't even responsible for establishing any major trade routes. Basically his work became inspiration for huge advances, like new new ways of cartography came about because of his work. Uh, Columbus, as fucky and horrible as mm-hmm. he was, and didn't even discover the new land. Anyway, uh, Columbus, his everything was inspired by Marco Polo. But that being said, Marco Polo himself, while impressive, just brought back some spices. Basically, he brought back a lot of money and a lot of spices. He was a merchant. He was an explorer, but he was a merchant. He was a businessman, and. I think this guy was confused. Either the writer did this accidentally and didn't know enough about the, the I content. I don't think it was on or, I don't think or, it was an accident. Or it proves how stupid this government official exactly. is because if you're talking about maybe, maybe Magellan, because he, Magellan, tra- yeah, he circumnavigated could. the world and discovered some trade routes because of that, or Columbus, who brought back more than just spices, he brought back slaves and gold and, you know, general sense of how to subjugate entire people and take over and ruin cultures. That, but Marco Polo didn't do any of that. Mm-mm. So, No, I, you know. I firmly believe it was on purpose. The opening of the episode up until now has been all about framing this guy as clearly having no idea what he's talking about. <clears throat> so politicians in general? Yeah. But I do love that at one point, I don't remember what Jack says to this guy, but the guy clearly misses Jack's point entirely. Mm-hmm. And Jack just gets the most frustrated look on his face and just turns to Sam and says, Do you want to translate this for him? <laughs> like, I, I, I can't talk to this guy. He's just, he's just too stupid to talk to. To which he looks at the scientist and goes, You're used to talking down to people. <laughs> or summing things up for people who can't understand. You try. But the thing is, she does. I know. I, I love how he defers to her because A, he's out of patience. And uh-huh. B, because he knows that she, especially as a chick, too. Oh, yeah. Like, Everything about Sam is much more capable for explaining this to an asshole mm-hmm. moron like this guy. So, yeah. yeah. I, I did love that sarcastic, just, that, that, by the way, that tone itself was uh-huh. just, he would never be that disrespectful to a member of the military, a superior uh-uh. in that context, context, but it definitely tells you that slight disparity between that and a civilian and a gun official. Yeah. Because he's still not disrespectful, but his tone sure is. Yeah, when it's a military official, he has to have Daniel do it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so... Teal'c is tired of hearing all of this bullshit as well. 
So he comes in with his, uh, oh yeah, I've been to lots of planets. I just love how, how, how many scenes now have involved a conversation taking place while Teal'c is doing his stone face observation thing in the background, where he's not looking at them, but just patiently waiting while listening. But what I love is that, like, again, with the facial acting here, you can see that, um... The exact moment he decides to tune in. Yeah, the <laughs> moment where he also gets done and tired with this guy. Because when he, when he says, you want weapons you want technology there's a planet that the gold know about where um there is a creature that becomes invisible Mm -hmm. and like as he's telling this government official this he's like almost got this challenging air to him what now what now asshole you're gonna keep talking right it's like all right bitch let's speak your Mm -hmm. stupid language that's pretty much what it was he was like gathering ammunition Figuring out how, like, watching everybody attempt and fail to get through this moron. So I was like, okay, let's speak the dumb language. And it makes <laughs> sense, because he was the first prime of Apophis. Right? He, there's a level of politics involved there. Mm-hmm. So. More than anybody else on that team. Hell yeah. Yes, Troy, can we help you? Nobody's paying attention to her. Okay, so they're like, okay, cool, let's go through. I, I do love, though, um, when Teal'c is explaining about this invisible creature... The uh, government guy says, oh, like stealth? And it's like, what What else would invisibility be? I think the only thing that would have been dumber, honestly, no, stealth is dumber, but basically he's like camouflage. It was like camouflage? It's like, yes, like camouflage. Stealth, stealth is dumber. Yeah. Because obviously invisibility might, you know. Yeah. But it's just, it was just so funny. Like, yeah. You want me to go ahead and just, how about, while you're at it, why don't I just pull up a list of synonyms for you? Let's make sure you understand what this means. So yeah, that, that all, uh, all happens and it's like, okay, well, we, we're going to go to this planet, satisfy this asshole. Right. So they go through and actually when you see them go through, it's just Jack. Yeah, that was weird. I'm not against it, but it was weird. I, I'm a little I against think... it. I think, yeah, it's, it it, sense. it's a very weird opening. I think they're trying to set us up early for how much, like, the disappearing thing is going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah, because he comes just, through and there's no one there, but it turns out they're just behind him. But it's just, there, there isn't a reason actually, I think for you're onto it. Something. No, I, no, actually, I think you're onto something. I think, I think yeah, that was it's a, absolutely, like, starting the theme. Yeah, that's but it's, almost a good directing choice. It's a choice. little force <laughs> yeah, it was, in this moment. It was almost a good Because Jack choice. comes out and he's alone. Yeah. And he, like... Guys, and as soon as he calls for Sam, Sam is behind the gate yeah. because she like saw signs of movement or something. So the team who uh, apparently went in through a minute before yeah, Jack—it's it's impressive how long the gate was held open for him. He has that what he we know so far about the gate. Idea it's weird. for the scene, yeah, but he didn't navigate it yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they're like, oh, cool. So we already have a sign of the the creature. I'm not gonna get too into it, but that location though, when they come to the gate, I lost that shit a little because that location <laughs> specifically, it's obviously Vancouver, and obviously I've mentioned a few times how the same sets, not well, set, not, the, not, the, the same area tends mm-hmm. to be redressed for multiple shots. Oh yeah, not just for Stargate though. I have seen that location. I, I've been there. I actually went. I went there. I. I forgot how I managed to... I didn't tell my parents that's why I wanted to go there. I just told my dad on one of our mini trips to the Vancouver area. I was like, hey, there's a park. And my dad, you know, likes to hike. So I was like, I, 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 knew, I knew his keywords. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said park. And he was like, like a dog. Like, what? Park? Walking? <laughs> and I'm wandering around. And my, no one in my family likes Stargate. So I'm just like... I, I, somewhere is uh, about a thousand pictures that I took with disposable cameras. <laughs> like a pile of just me going like, and this is that shot. And this is or that shot. <laughs> like, because they're very identifiable because they tend to be big open areas, you know, because they're good for big shots. So this location is this one path where it's been in all the Stargates. 
It's also the site where a, a terrific scene happens where Jason Momoa throws himself through a Stargate, just misses it as it closes, and just falls to the ground. So, in 1997, it begins. This is the episode where we decided, I'm going to renew my uh, passport. I'm taking you on a pilgrimage to yeah. my favorite place. We're going to do the uh, Vancouver version of the Hobbit New Zealand tour. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Technically, my happiest place on Earth is Home Depot. It's anywhere with a tool set, you know, like anywhere where I can go, like, ooh, toys. But my, like, my real happiest place on Earth is honestly this random park outside of Vancouver where it's, oh, and that's where that sci-fi show happened. And, oh, this is that log that two different actors in two different sci-fi shows have both ripped the crotch in their pants jumping off the sa- It's literally the same fucking tree, I swear. Like, Great. if it's not the exact same tree, they lock down a different tree to do it. Because it's the same path and everything. It's awesome. I'm not sure when we'll do that, but... Well, it's in my head now, so... Sometime. Yeah, we're gonna. We're yeah. gonna. <laughs> so they get a scouting of the area, and I don't really understand why Jack's like, okay, let's go back through. It is weird. Was they... it just that he was saying, let's send a message back through? No, because he says, it's weird. They're there for like five seconds. Mm-hmm. They look around, don't... In- Thank you, Troy. They don't immediately see the target of their Except mission. that Sam said that she saw movement. That's why they were off screen. Yeah, I, it's just weird. Because the creature they're looking for is known for its invisibility mm-hmm. abilities. It, for, what, I guess what stands out to me mostly is just Jack's line of, well, there's nothing here. It's like, first off, you just got here. And second, you're looking for a creature you can't see. So, that's, it's just weird. It's a weird choice of yeah. scene. Maybe they were trying to set up that like, they're going to go back and get like more people or like different equipment, maybe like thermal technology. Yeah, like, thermal, I, I like, you know, know. Something like yeah. anything that could help the search. Maybe they're just doing recon first. Maybe they I were just, going through <sighs> to convince the government guy that they were going to do this and just waiting for him to leave. Maybe. They're like, okay, Hammond would have gotten him out of the mountain by now. Let's go back, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, but it's, it's weird. It's for not, whatever reason, Jack's yeah. like, okay, let's go back to the gate. And they walked about, what, 20, 30 feet away from the gate at this point? Yeah. Basically the edge of that area, that big yeah. open area. And then he turns back around, and the gate is gone. I do like he turns around, and he's so chill with how he says it. That's actually why I don't think I'm a Jack in this episode, because he turns around, and he's just like, Where's the Stargate? And I would have turned around and been like, guys, guys, guys. <laughs> Which is what Daniel does. <laughs> I know, because it's turning Daniel, Daniel like full bloody. Full, full body, full body flinches. Yeah, that'd be me. Because I mean, as fun as it is going to different planets and everything, the idea of being trapped <laughs> on a different planet is a little terrifying to me, especially when the gate was right there <laughs> just a second ago. My panic level would have just, I mean, I don't think I'd be like hysterical, but I'd also not be not a yeah. little. Just guys, guys, so what are we going to do? What's the plan? What's, what are we going to do? Daniel, calm down. But yeah, okay, I, I, I'm not not calm, but I just need to know what we're going to do because the gate isn't there. <laughs> They don't even, like, address it early, other than, okay, the gate's gone. So and then, chill. like, the next thing we see is that Jack has spotted a disturbance in the air. A disturbance in the force. That he thinks is probably the creature that they've been looking for. Yeah. What I really, really, really love is, granted, that's the problem with when you do a lot of cuts, and time passage isn't always as obvious. Yeah. I'm just, it looks like it's presented that they don't at any point, it, no, no one no one thinks to just walk up to where the gate was and, like, feel for out. Yeah. Granted, this Knox technology might be advanced enough that it's not just camouflaging it, like, it might be, like, putting it out of phase or whatever so you couldn't feel it mm-hmm. anyway, but no one even tries. No. <laughs> like, I, you damn well know that I'd be, like, putting my foot out, like, trying to whack my face into it, you know, I'd be trying to do something, trying to make sure it's not there. Mm-hmm. But no one just, oh, guess it's gone. Well. Cool, might as well just move on now. It's like, yeah, like, sure. what are you planning to do now? Like, all right, cool. 
Is this when they talk about the fact that, um, is, oh, is this before the creature where they talk about how Teal'c's like, I think Teal'c actually says, oh yeah, the gate disappeared on us at one point. When no, we went, no, because it's as they're, after the creature no, then. What they're noticing is, is right after it's gone, right after it's disappeared, they are talking about, like, they ask if this happened, and, he, and I don't remember if he says it happened, yeah, but he no, says this, they had a homing the device. Scene. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, that thing. So this happens before the creature. Yeah, before, right, so, like, right before. right after the gate disappears... He says, like, hey, Tails, did this happen to you guys, the gold world, when you were here? And he said, well, yeah, but we had a homing beacon. Does he actually say, yeah? Does he say I'm assuming, because why else would he bring up the homing beacon? Well, I think that it's because, I think I think it's more like this, where it's, does this happen to you? No, but it wouldn't have mattered because we had the homing device. Because if, it's one thing for a creature to be, like, you know, invisible or whatever, a gate selectively going in and out of existence like that would be more indicative of, like, an outside of yeah. more influence. So I feel like the Nox wouldn't have done that. I feel like the reason why they did in this instance is because gold coming and going is probably not that unheard of. But, but that these are new, new guys. Yeah. yeah. And so now it's like, all right, just to be safe yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, so but I think then, he was saying um, it's a moot point so he said we had, we had, we had a homing beacon yeah. at the gate. And Daniel's like, well, do we? And Jack's like, yeah, with our equipment at the gate. At the gate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Great plan there, guys. Yeah, no, that works out real great, guys. Yeah. Well done. So I guess they come across the disturbance in so the air while they're right there, they're on the ridge. For the game. Yeah, because they're on that ridge. Still. Yeah, I guess they're probably just like doing like you know search patterns where you all spread out to yeah, like the grid pattern. Yeah, yeah. They, they must be doing that, and that's why while they're doing that, Jack spots them, and he's like, "Oh, cool! This is what we're looking for. Might as well get it while we're here." Which I'm like, it's a trank. It could wear off before you find the gate. Yeah, I. I know they don't really have a lot of other options, no. but it's always something that's really bugged me when, it's like in the movie, when the, uh, he gives, uh, Daniel gives the candy bar to that creature, it's like, okay, so they do make a comment about how the Tranks have, uh, are powerful enough to, uh, down a rhino, right? Great. Awesome. You don't know what this animal is, this creature is, so is it, maybe it has a constitution greater than a rhino. Also, maybe it's poisonous to this creature, you Teal don't know. did let them know how big it was. Right, but that doesn't mean anything about its yeah, internal. No, no absolutely <laughs> not. But at least they went with that level of oh, yeah. sedation like yeah but they, they, they can only it. make assumptions yeah. they can only make assumptions i know but they, they have a lot of they made assumptions on the information they have yeah. it just annoys me that they went with something that's clearly based on animals on their planet yeah when going to a planet that involves creatures that apparently have invisibility camouflage that they can use at will which definitely so a long time ago i did some research on a, for a physics project mm-hmm. on the idea of invisibility i was surprised by just how fucking impossible it really is. Like, <laughs> scientists can have come up with a million different ideas of how to do it. They all involve... Like the light refraction? Even that's harder than it sounds. Uh-huh. Like, it's not like it doesn't sound like, oh yeah, if you, like, well, as soon as you think about it, like, okay, yeah, it obviously it's harder than it, you know, it sounds. But even the idea of, like, invisibility cloak, for example, that whole bending of light thing doesn't work the way you think it no. does. The idea of making yourself permeable is definitely not the way that works the idea of a device that you can keep on you isn't that it's it's honestly that's why i think it's a a phase thing Mm -hmm. honestly i really do one thing that stargate as a whole does play fast and loose with is shielding versus because actually like they mentioned shielding later too Mm -hmm. shielding versus invisibility because apparently for somehow the physics in stargate universe is that a shield can be alternately turned into a a cloaking field at will because it's all the same because mm-hmm. a shield technically is just you know is a light yeah. construct mm-hmm. so it on paper makes sense that a shield and invisibility are the same thing it makes more sense as a phasing kind of thing because if soon something's slightly out of phase we don't see it as easily yeah and you wouldn't be able to feel it they so used it's blank. difference <laughs> yeah 
the idea of a creature that has independent invisibility technology uh, abilities would say a lot about its chemistry, its biology, every biochemistry. So the idea of using a trank on that's like that's so unpredictable. Yeah. I know you don't have a lot of options. I get that, but I just it still hurts. It still hurts. Yeah, they're doing what they can with the information they have. I know it just hurts me a little inside. And they wouldn't even be doing this if the government wasn't on their ass about I it. Know. I just feel bad for the fictional characters that might have died, that almost could have died, <laughs> because they tranked it with something that could have been extremely poisonous. Well, those things were apparently mean. They tried to attack Natreya. I don't think they were attacking. They never actually say what they were attacking. I think the thing was coming to say hi. No, I don't think it was. I think it, I think it was literally just coming out to hang out. It, it just looked creepy. But, like, dragonflies do that. They, like, both, both hover over you, and those, you know... Dragonflies are also killers. Yeah, well, they they're can't kill aggressive. us because they're smaller but than the, uh, us. My whole thing is that the kid looked remarkably unafraid of it, and I think that that's because he's a That's because of how he's raised. I, I, th- I just, my personal that thing was, I think was kid walked curious. up to Apophis and said, hi. Okay, yeah, so maybe that's not the best example. The kid's obviously uh-huh. pretty dumb. That being said, Apophis wasn't from his planet, and that was the level of dumb, the kid walking up to it. Maybe the kid walked up to him because he's used to things that are... Look kind of weird and but maybe scary. But isn't the first goal to go to their well, maybe planet. That, maybe, that, maybe that maybe that reinforces my point though, because the kids used to these flying things. I honestly think the, I I genuinely think that it was just coming to hang out. I think it was coming to see what this was going on, and I think it would have flown away on its own anyway. I mean, it's just the uh, the appendages looked like they were going in for a strike. No, oh, that's me. Oh, it's, they had like that kind of like pulled back, like they were going to do this or something. Well, scorpions have that automatically. Well, scorpions are also assholes. They're really not! They have such a bad rep, man! They don't fuck with you unless you really fuck with them. Unfortunately, when you run into scorpions, you've accidentally fucked with them. Oh, so it's like, I won't go near a spider, right? But I've actually held a scorpion. And they're like the chillest little fucks, man. They just sit there like, sup, dude? <laughs> they crawl around maybe a little bit. For the most part, they're just like, alright, I'm done with you. And, like, just, and they just kind of, they just do their own thing. They're pretty, they're pretty chill. But they look, they look aggressive yeah. just by nature. Even when they're just literally calm and sitting. They're just, <laughs> So, uh. <laughs> all right. So Jack's going to take the shot, and right when he's about to take the shot, it's all lined up. He's like, "Yeah, right. We're gonna do this." A staff weapon fires from off screen, yep. and he's like, "God damn it, Teal!" Because the staff weapon disturbs it and it right. flies off. Right. And Teal's like, "That wasn't me." I do like how the uh, Jaffa have stormtrooper aim. <laughs> no matter what show, no matter what media, no matter what, bad guys cannot aim for shit. Except for in this episode. Except for when it's. Gravitas style, but it's funny that the rest of the time they can't hit for shit, which makes those scenes even worse yeah. when they do. <laughs> so they discover that Apophis is done sending other people to go deal with this creature. He's coming to take care of it himself. What a coincidence! I mean, it's it makes sense for what we've seen of Apophis as a character. Granted, we've only seen two episodes of him so far, <laughs> but he does seem more like a warrior. Oh, him being part of the team makes a lot of sense. He's very hands-on. Yeah. Like, he's like, okay, I sent teams to do it. Everyone's failed. You want I have done to right, be here. Do it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. But so the, it makes sense that he... Yeah. It's, it's just, just the, the coincidence that he happens to be there the same day. The massive convenience of timing. The fact that... And it's, this episode annoys me for that, because, like, earlier Jack says, let's say we did find a, you know, an alien race with, you know, with technology. People with more advanced technology aren't usually inclined to uh-huh. share. Cough, cough. Yeah. And then... On the planet, they just happened to run into Apophis, the guy who they were, it was kind of indirectly responsible for that earlier conversation because the reason why they're looking for technology is because there's a massive ghoul threat mm-hmm. out there. Also greed and, you know, human progress, but there's also this massive threat out there that we would like to have more, you know, even mm-hmm. footing with. And the head guy that we hate 
just happens to have decided to lead a hunting party on the same day they happened that Teal'c happened to bring up this. It's so many things had to go perfectly there. That was another point that the government guy made, though. Mm-hmm. Was he's, he's like, you've been to 19 planets, but if the gold attack our planet today, do you have anything to stop them? And they're like, what? No. <laughs> no, we don't. So you should probably keep going to keep looking. You're... Nothing about that guy's argument. No, no, sense. no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but uh, back to Young Apophis, him being hands on is mm-hmm. makes sense for him. And I was saying at the time, I love the costume design. Oh yeah, yeah. Because his outfit is almost identical to the Jafal regular armor. His stands out because it's all gold and mm-hmm. shiny. So it's definitely like you know, I am better. I stand apart. He's even got the skull. Yeah, thing. it's almost identical. It's just in, except color. But I love that though because there's no extra adornment. There's nothing that would hinder his capacity to fight, to defend himself, to be in any way, shape, or form, a part of this hunting party. It definitely fits with the, like, warlike mm-hmm. a- aspect of the gold. Yeah, it, it definitely makes more sense with a, a leader like him yeah. that he would stand apart, but not in a dumb way, and not in a useless way. Mm-hmm. He's not like, you know, Joffrey. With no. <laughs> like, there's nothing about him that screams, he's he's an asshole, and he's everything is bad, but he's not stupid. Not to mention, the I show like, kind of stupid. gives us the insinuation that he's had to fight for the power that he has. Oh, yeah, no, it, it definitely um, gives us the impression of A lot of, of the yeah. other gold just, like, inherited it or came into that power yeah, naturally. Or have gotten lazy with time. Yeah, exactly. But, um, like, it's mostly posed in the fact that he was always warring with Raw. Exactly, yeah. It definitely makes more sense for his character. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why, it just proves again why he was such a great choice for the antagonist. Exactly. It's, he's more of a bad guy because he's more in-depth and he's more of a threat. It's a really mm-hmm. nice contrast to the enemy that we had with Raw in the movie because Raw was content to just... Lord over this yeah. one planet. He lived a very luxuriant lifestyle. He got, he got lifestyle. thrown out of thrown off of Earth, and he's like, "Well, instead of trying to do anything about it, I'm just gonna take my toys and leave." And he just settled to be the ultimate ruler of yeah. this one planet. It was a cool little analogy, kind of like um the some of the worst pharaohs in mm-hmm. Egyptian ancient Egyptian history. Like maybe not worst ones. I don't really know that much about it. I shouldn't say that. But it was a whole thing where they would like travel the Nile in their big. Oh luxury, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. As a whistle, big luxury boats, and they'd go visit their shit, and then they'd come back, and they didn't really do much. No, that was kind of what Ra was like. Apophis, on the other hand, is can't really if they ever really stated, but he definitely has had to consistently fight, fend off attacks, yeah. threats to his power. So he's on top of his shit. Mm-hmm. He's not paranoid and annoying about no. it, but he's on top of his shit. Which is why he's out there and he's dressed the same mm-hmm. as his men, except he's got a different coloring. Mm-hmm. You're just like, yeah, he's he's ready to fight. Yeah. And he shows that, too. Yeah, he does kind of do when all of his guys are falling later on. He is kind of like, a, I'm just gonna well, leave. But that's more <laughs> of a, you know, fuck this shit. Yeah. And I, th- one thing I do love, though, is as much as we're saying how great it is that he's part of, you know, there's a threat level mm-hmm. he's part of everything, he does still have that slight ego, ego dumb aspect, because you notice that he doesn't have a weapon. No, he doesn't. He has a personal shield. Well, he has, no, he does have a weapon. He has the hand thing. But he doesn't have a long range. No, weapon. he does not have this a long person, range. That, somebody would have to get really close and hold still and also not yeah. be that many people absolutely. for that thing to work. You're, you're absolutely right there. So it does say something about his, um... Yeah, he's still got that ego and that, um... Lack of foresight, honestly. Yeah. It, the fact that he doesn't even c- consider having, like, a zat on him. I know they haven't introduced zats yet, no. but the fact that he doesn't even have a zat, anything. So, you know, it it is what it is, but it does, I like it. I like that it kind of mm-hmm. points out Absolutely. that he is 
still a system lord in this one respect, which is he has gotten a little bit used to his level of protection. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Daniel is automatically like, we gotta <laughs> fight him. We, we gotta, he knows where Shade is, he knows where Scotta is. And then he's the after bloodlines, because yeah, exactly. he's been already ramped up now. Mm-hmm. He's been getting ramped up for Yeah, which is why, um, I made a point near the end of this episode where I'm like, I think the impetus of this episode is more about teaching Daniel to let go of his anger. Mm-hmm. Without explicitly saying it. Yeah. At the very least... Just learning to take a breath. Because this mm-hmm. isn't the only time that he's ready to fight and or kill the gold in this episode. Mm-hmm. And each time, like, everyone else is like, Daniel, this isn't what we're here for. Yeah. Like, for this. It shows his desperation. He's like, we have to get him. No, this isn't what we're here for, Daniel. Well, let's change the mission. Yeah. And Daniel's, like, desperate, and Jack also kind of wants to do it. And so, like, he gives in to Daniel's pressing. So they set up an ambush. Uh, that goes horribly, horribly wrong, and everyone but Teal gets killed. Yep. Show's over, guys. Yeah, yeah that, that's Time the fight scene we were talking about with the directing choice, not the yeah. greatest. Because not only did they use slow-mo to show all oh, their God, deaths, the slow-mo was so infuriating. Slow-mo is its own problem. Yeah. The fact that it was also extended slow-mo mm-hmm. was like, okay, thank you. Oh, it's still going. Okay. Alright. Nope, 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 still going. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, that was a... F- Yep, that was 13 seconds of slow-mo. I rewound, remember? I mm-hmm. actually counted. It was 13 seconds of slow-mo. Unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It's just the only word I have for that. I Fine, you want to use some slow-mo? I get its use. Whatever. Just, have, a, have a light hand. Use it. Just, 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 just pour a shot, not the whole bottle. Just, just calm down, please. Just, say, calm yourself. <laughs> I used to say that all the time. Calm thyself. <laughs> just, so I guess the show's over. Yeah, everyone's dead. dead. Yeah, except just Teal. Teal, yeah, just and like he, I do love how he uh, responds to it though. He's clearly unhappy, but he doesn't. He just he's like, well, all my team's dead. And I'm no trapped. reason for me to hide. So he just stands up tall, faces across from Apophis, and just tells him straight to his face with like a sneer on his face. I die free. Yeah, I'm gonna point out something. The way he says it, I die free. It's terrific because he, they they use the Jaffa the other Jaffa language mm-hmm. and right before that Apophis says Shova, mm-hmm. which this episode definitely makes more sense in DVD order yes, because Shova, because they didn't explain they what Shova is in they this translate one. in Bloodlines but they don't but they this don't one. this which means that this if this had come first because the trivia on this is a little weird because the trivia for Bloodlines for example said first appearance mm-hmm. so clearly somebody knew that there's a difference in order but this episode also trivia says first appearance of Shova so it's like it depends on who's writing the trivia yeah. that's why I, I double check things. But it doesn't make sense for it to have been before, because if it was, you'd be like, cool. What's that words? Mean? Yeah. Because he translates, because he says something in Jafan, and then says, I die free. But, but Shulva, the Shulva is no. not translated. It has, it has more of, uh, you know, hmm, I actually hmm. really like the fact that um, we get a lot of, like, little quick scenes between um, Apophis and J- the Jafar later on, mm-hmm. where they're talking in gold. Yeah. And we're not getting a translation. I... Love it when stuff does that. As long as it's within reason, obviously, yeah. like I don't want to. No, like, they're not really shit. long yeah. scenes. It's enough. They're to use like the context. Yeah, because we can get from, we can get a context from what they're doing. Yeah, the clues are there, and from the future scenes, mm-hmm. we have we know. Oh, they're looking for the people right. because what happens is like Chilk stands up to Apophis, I die free, and right when they're about to kill him, Teal'c and all of his friends disappear, yeah. and Apophis looks around like, what the fuck. 
did you mention what started uh, Jack attempting to shoot him and not not succeeding because of the shield? Oh no, I did not. I did not mention his okay. shield at all. That's yeah. important. That's why. That's one of the reasons why they all die. So shit is because Jack comes out because they at first it seems like it's going well because they're attacking. Yeah, because it was fine. a good ambush. And then he gets up behind him to get the shot in and takes a shot. Oh no, shield! And then because he's now out in the open, yeah, <laughs> he gets shot. And then Sam and then does Sam the gets shot thing where she goes, Colonel jumps up behind cover, gives away her position, and immediately dies. And then Daniel gets yes. shot. The civilian makes more sense to yeah. die in that stupid way, but Sam dying that way, especially yeah. if his dad just died. Yeah. <laughs> And one other thing that scene indicates to me is it's it's unfortunate because it uh, reinforces something I say later, which is this is now this is actually the first of two instances where I feel like Teal definitely should have known about the uh, personal the shield, shield, yeah, because first prime he would have known about the defense. On the other hand, maybe this guy has he ever gone has he ever gone out with Apophis? He has to. Would have. he have had? Would but here's the he, thing: why wouldn't why wouldn't he know what his god uses as defense? Why would he not uh, be privy to that because information? Why would Apophis share anything that keeps no, him no, above his no, other no, no, people? No, I mean, I, I, that's the thing: is you would definitely, it would, you you would if you are depending on these people for protection, especially especially as like, your first line. Mm-hmm. And not, not to mention, he trusted him explicitly. I almost, from maybe the perspective it's a new of a piece crazy, of technology, I, 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 it maybe they just stole of, it from yeah. another race. I think it might kind of make sense. In one way, which is, it could have been a new idea because of the fact that Teal defected. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an extra new line of precaution in case yeah. new information's out there. Maybe. I honestly, I, I just don't know. I feel like I feel like the gold have been, especially later, they're portrayed as, I know Apophis isn't super paranoid, but they are portrayed as kind of paranoid. I feel like it makes sense for uh, just a general thing, a rule of thumb, that have him have already had that. Yeah. So I definitely think that Teal should have said something because I think he should have known. Maybe, maybe he, maybe it existed, but it wasn't Always a something. Maybe it existed, but up until they found out the Tati were still alive and were a and ha- threat, and had actual weapons. It wasn't them, necessary. Maybe. Yeah, no, you're right. That that, 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 that does make sense. Like I said, maybe around the time that Teal defected, that became like more of a thing. And then he's like, "Well, better dust off this old thing." No, it does make sense. I just, in that respect, I yeah. Who knows? Yeah, the other one, that later one with the knife, that one he definitely would have known about. That's a, yeah, that's yeah. a standard close-up hidden weapon that most soldier types well, and you know what? No. high soldier types Here have. Here we go, I've got a defense for Teal'c there. Huh. All of their weapons were taken. He would assume all of the gold's weapons were taken yeah, as well. Yeah, but see, that's a, that, 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 that proves my point. Is it's a, let's say he did know that and didn't. Anybody there is at fault because either the Nox somehow completely missed this. They definitely did. They missed a Trank dart. That that annoys me on that level. You know, okay, here's the thing. I want to, we've been... Why we've does the double-check things in this game? That's what I'm naming. Like, why, why didn't he just double-check beforehand, just to make sure? I like this episode. Yeah. I like the discussion points that get brought up in this episode. I do feel like this is a slightly sloppy episode. Oh, it's fl- it's flawed, and that th- th- that's just. A, a I think the thing. flaws are that it is sloppy. Yeah, the attention to detail is not there. Yeah, but maybe like again, maybe it's just maybe Hart Hansen was also newer at this point. Maybe yeah. maybe it's just a lack of experience with this genre. I don't know. Yeah, but there were a lot of things that. I don't even know if a lot is the right. There were some key things that could have used some tightening up. Oh yeah. Yeah, the shield thing I can I, I can explain away the shield thing not being explained, not being uh, you know him yeah. not saying thing for the reason we just said. Mm-hmm. Also because again, sometimes convenience is necessary, and that shield thing is a pivotal part of the oh, episode. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it would have had it would have been interesting trying to do that scene if they had known about the shield. Mm-hmm. So that one I can get over. 
it's just the fact that the attention to detail from the first, the lack of attention to detail from the first prime, it's such weirdly selective knowledge that he seems to have sometimes. Yeah. And that just, it's just, it doesn't make sense for the character. That's what's sloppy. So, uh, they on the spear. Apophis is pissed. Then we cut to Apophis Dan- is always pissed. Yeah. Then we cut to Daniel waking up. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, <laughs> he puts his fingers all over his glasses. <laughs> I don't just, you know somebody doesn't wear glasses when they, first thing they, when they go to adjust them, it's just fingers straight yes. to the lens. Uh, and then he checks where he got shot, and there's just a big old hole in his clothes, mm-hmm. but his skin's totally healed. And he, like, put his, puts his hand into the hole where his, where he was killed. Uh, then he, like, looks around, spots Sam, goes to check on her. You thought he was touching her lips, and I'm like, no, he's checking to see if she's well, breathing. So, but the thing was that I, when I was watching the scene the first time, I, um, I saw him going for the hole. And Which then, we cracked up right, about. But I didn't, I, then I looked up just in time to see his hand moving away from her mouth. So all I saw was hole touching her mouth. What? <laughs> and no. then I went back and then it made sense. So what time. he does is he checks to see if she's breathing. She is. Mm-hmm. So he does the same check on her that he did on himself. Yeah, the where tap, the wound tap, was. A full palm tap. <laughs> but it's it's just ridiculous because of the fact that it's like on her stomach and it's just this open patch of skin and he just puts his whole hand into that hole and even Sam wakes up like what are you doing? <laughs> I like how her face goes to like a, it's funny like, right, right when she wakes up you can tell she's waking up because there's a hand on her yeah. so there's the first instinctive response of dude mm-hmm. but she doesn't open her eyes yet so her first her face goes through like three in a very quick motion goes through three distinct facial expressions which is a kudos moment to her kudos moment to her because first one is second one is oh it's Daniel third one is that's weird <laughs> Oh, it's Daniel in the midst. Because again, it's like the He's locker. It's the locker scene from um, Cold Lazarus. Oh, it's Daniel. It's fine. Right. He doesn't mean anything by he it. He has the childlike curiosity aspect. He's not molesting. He's, He's just touching to see if she's okay. There's a reason every girl who gets interested in him in the show initiates. Every single woman who gets interested in him in this show is the one that initiates. Yep. No, yeah, it's, it's true. And it's not just because he's married. It's no, because, it's because he's just, he doesn't think about that stuff. It's wonderful. O- the only scene of that kind where nothing about that was creepy. That yeah, was just him. It was just funny because it's like Daniel. And also kind of curious to see, like, how the hell um she's not wounded. Yeah. Either. And one last thing I love is one thing they do do a little bit of attention to detail to is her shot. Convenient or not, is um, perfectly located so that it doesn't. Like this is always thing that bugs me. Like in these kind of shows, is when there's like that kind of damage happens, and it's always like a chest location. And for female characters, I have to point out, women wear bras. Yeah, but it's low enough. It's low enough. There's, there's no exactly. I, I always just feel for these women because like like so apparently you just have no bra now. Like you're, exactly. Like, you know, let's say you're not me and actually have fucking breasts. You're gonna need some support, Absolutely. some holding down. You're uncomfortable now. So I always just feel, always kind of feel for that character while also commenting, like, internally remarking on the fact you can't even see, like, remnants <laughs> of it. And not that I'm looking for, like, a gross, like, in a gross way. I'm just noticing that yeah. there is a distinct lack of it. But this one, they've just perfectly located it so that, A, his touch isn't creepy. Yeah. And, B, it doesn't affect that aspect, which not I Not that it like. would have even if it was higher. Right. The mm-hmm. most that would have happened if it was higher is she would have, like, slapped his <laughs> yeah, hand but, away like, and been like, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and he would have been like, Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, like, oh. I, I just do like it when they don't. Yeah. It always creates that question for me of, so uh, how how you how you doing there? <laughs> that can't be comfortable. I like the, the attention to detail and the fact that, like, Sam and Daniels were on the front. Mm-hmm. 
And Jax is like on the side back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because he tried to run and tried to dive. So it's not just that it's on the back or it's on the side. It's like this like side back shot. Yeah. Uh, so basically, they're okay, and then they run into Jax, and everyone well not run into. They find him face down on the floor, and he's just he wakes up like I do. What's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm not. Yeah, last thing I remember, we are all being killed, sir. Yeah, as in dead. Yes, sir, dead, sir. So they walk out of the building. Uh, they meet the natives. The wonderful music score. Yes, the real ethereal, um, nature It almost, it's definitely intended to kind of spoon feed you the ideas like that they're a, savages a or... It gives it a fairy tale. Primitive. It has a very Primitive. fairy tale, um, fairy tale fantasy. Yeah, very otherworldly. Yeah, kind of yeah. Fellow. The fae. Because we were talking yeah. about how the woman in the group has an incredibly fae-looking face. She's gorgeous. And they really play up the fae aspect. They're definitely, like, making you think that it's going to be, like magic yeah. or something else which is great how it turns out being <laughs> the exact opposite mm-hmm. but i do like how they subvert it a little at first just like oh it's probably because of this uh-huh. not just because of their appearances but because of the music and the everything so that opening music score really does help yeah so they're trying to like communicate with the natives daniel runs through a couple of words to try and find like a language that he can communicate i appreciate any time that happens yeah he only says like four different words but i still appreciate any time it happens and it makes sense because these people are not responding they like smile and kind (laughs) of give like well welcoming body language but they are not talking yeah uh and then tilt comes out and they're like tilt what's going on and the kid the kid comes up to us like talk to them a little bit you know get closer and then he goes first oh no yeah that is they all sit down yeah they all sit down again because daniel keeps trying to talk to them yeah uh and then then he goes and fetches Teal'c, and, um, oh, Jack asks him for their weapons. Right. Because remember we talked about how they keep up the whole pattern of Jack talking to children yeah, about weapons. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's weird. Um, I totally yeah, focused on Sam. Because <laughs> all of their gear that they had on them is still there, except for their weapons. All their weapons are gone. So he, like, asks, hey, where are our weapons? Um, the kid doesn't answer him, wanders off, comes back with Teal'c in his hand. Yep, which I love how Teal'c just, because that's what you do when a kid grabs Exactly, you just walk along with him. And then the kid walks up to Sam and introduces himself, and Sam just looks, just looks so charmed. Actually, that kind of explains a little bit why the kid approaches Apophis later, because he saw... He saw Teal uh, the, grab yeah. the hand, and, no, that, and that was there. Mm-hmm. So this guy's probably just more And friends. he wasn't mm-hmm. going into the room where the other yeah. gold was, yeah. so... So yeah, he introduces himself to Sam. Sam introduces herself back. Although she says Carter. I'm like, Sam, it's a kid. You can give your first name. It's okay. But she looks so charmed. The kid is charming. The kid's really sweet and cute. Yeah. Not just like innocent because of the primitive aspect, but just because the kid comes up and goes, hi. To everyone. Curiosity. Just, just that nice. Randomly. Just, yeah. And he doesn't even say like hi or anything. He always starts like, Nefreyu. Nefreyu. Isn't it Trey? No, Nefreyu. Nefreyu? Yeah, it's Antaeus and then Nefreyu. Nefreyu, okay. Yeah. Nefreyu. Um, and Jack tells her, no, you can't and keep him. I do love how she, he just said, Car- no, you can't keep him. <laughs> and I was sitting here going, it's okay, Sam, in like five episodes you'll have right. one you can't keep. Meanwhile, Apophis is pissed. <laughs> They have literally like a two second scene where we flash back to Apophis looking around, can't uh, find them, dramatic and then yells, doing. <laughs> and then we're gone. We're le- we're I'm pretty sure we're on a scene with him for less than a minute. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy's still out there. In case you forgot this guy, like we forgot him for twelve episodes. Yeah, back to the main story. He's still mad. Bye. <laughs> then uh, they're still trying to like 
Oh, they're sitting at the campfire, and they're ta- like talking around them now because they've tried to communicate with them. It's not working, so now they're kind of like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think they're humanoid, but you know, like talking about them like, right next to yeah, them. Clearly humanoid, like no shit. And then while they're talking about them, um, uh, Armin Shimmerman. Yeah, Armin Shimmerman speaks up and is speaking their language. We'll show you to your gate or whatever. Uh, and it's like, I like how he does it too. It's like that joke about the guy who, not the story, that guy who's had a racist moment at the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. Where he wants a picture taken and so he sees an Asian family and goes, can you take our picture? And the guy goes, yeah, asshole, I can. Perfect. <laughs> 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 it's like, Amazing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Granted, I know that they're aliens and you wouldn't expect, but I do love that his response is of that type of, yes, we can show you to your door. <laughs> exactly. But they're like, wait, you can speak our language? And he's like, it took time for us to learn it. Yeah. So, like, the whole time they were keeping quiet. Universal translators were working. They busy. were figuring it out. Yeah. We had another race that also was doing that, right? Another group that, like, figured out how to communicate with them. I, I know like it's I, happened. No, I know I know what you're what you're saying you're saying. I just I don't remember who they are. I don't remember what season oh, it is. I'm it was like, Fire and Water, the episode we just had. It was the same thing. Yeah. Where he kept hearing Daniel talk and it took a while yeah. for him to pick it up. But yeah, so he's like, uh, we took your guns, we're not giving them back, but we'll take you home. And Jack's like, but n- no. no. <laughs> Basically, we have the Knox, their first impression of this team is them attacking Apophis. Without being provoked. Yeah, it's like, that's not the greatest Yeah, it's first not. <laughs> like, that's what we were talking about. Like, the initial impression the Knox get about the team, I can't blame them no, for it. No, Because there's a whole bit where Jack's, you were talking about Armin Sherman's face acting. Yeah, like, the part were... where Jack says, we're not assassins. Yeah. And, and Armin Sherman just does a tiny little head tilt, like, for you. <laughs> he doesn't like... say anything. Just does a little head tilt. Like, bitch, I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> we... We saw you. Really? <laughs> yeah, so, like, they... And they don't have... They don't know that Apophis attacked their planet and stole their people. Uh, they don't have any of that background. They have what they saw, which was Apophis's group wandering around their planet and Jack's group attacking them. Right. So, in the beginning, their impressions are fair. Yeah. The problem we have with the Knox is that Armin Shimmerman's character refuses to listen at all. Yeah. The Knox, <laughs> with all the things you've already mentioned about them, you know, as a flaw in their characteristic, they're the uh, perfect embodiment of what I absolutely abhor about the ultimate pacifism Yeah. Route. It involves a supreme amount of personal, purposeful lack of insight yeah. and ignorance. Mm-hmm. You are purposely choosing not to contemplate the ramifications of your decisions and are purposely deciding that that you don't care what happens that, to anyone that else through your too. superiority there's only black and white which is there's violence or no violence and if you are violent you are incorrect and it doesn't matter what the violence is for it doesn't matter if it's these are the kind of people who even will even make like the argument that self-defense isn't mm-hmm. enough to hurt somebody these are these are the kind of people that piss me off okay cool well i'll just sit here and die then yeah while you get to sit on your lofty moral high ground you know what you go back to your sitting on a hill and leave me the fuck alone <laughs> 
Which is kind of how this episode yeah, ends. Which is good, because stop giving me advice. Because your advice is not applicable mm-hmm. in the slightest. <laughs> so, um, at one point, they try, because they have the whole, you know, thing from the government, like, get us weapons, get us tech. And they figured out at this point, oh, these people are advanced. We don't know Trade how. <laughs> Trade We don't know how they're advanced, but they're definitely advanced. So they try to be like, oh, we'd like to learn your ways. And our instrument's just like, nope, no. Puts <laughs> the bolt. It's very, very firmly, not loud, thankfully, and because he's a yeah. great actor, it's not too sharp even, mm-hmm. but it is so he just goes, finite. No. Just, no. And it's just, nope, he's not budging on that. It's not, and it doesn't change either. No, it, his one particular character, but everything we've already said, he sticks to his scruples in a great way. Yeah. He, he believes what he says, and yes, granted, that's not always the best, but he, that, that's a level of self-confidence mm-hmm. that isn't always ignorant, it's yeah. more just, not, you, sometimes it's a lack of swaying because of the firm mm-hmm. aspect, and that's just, I can respect it for that particular Even if what reason. he's standing firm on is ridiculous. Exactly. The way he does it is not annoying. Yeah. It's the quality aspect of his character, which I just, I love watching that whole little interplay with him, just, no. And then moves on. <laughs> And they, as a team, also discovers that on top of taking them, uh, during the ambush, they manage to kill one of the gold. Uh, So that gold that they manage to kill in the ambush is also here. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, well, shit. Yeah. Now there's not just like, well, fine, we'll frickin' leave. You know, give us our guns when we get to the gate, just like, we'll leave, whatever. Now, no, now you brought a gold to your home. He knows about you. And that's where I start to question sometimes with the Nox, because this is where they start leaning into just, they're now so smart, they've reached, they've gone full circle back into dumb territory. Because that level of naivete naivete is just, Mm -hmm. it's almost unforgivable. Yeah, like, I love the the woman in this home, but there's a moment later on where she is so stupid. So stupid. It's it's just really weird, like, you have a child. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? It's not just your lives you're playing with. It's and wild. I get you want to save these people, but save them and then leave them somewhere. The problem <laughs> is that they're so advanced that they can come back from death, and that They've creates... lost the fear of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. They've lost the fear of it. But That's that... what their problem yeah, is. They're lucky they didn't traumatize the shit out of their kid, honestly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Who's to know that they didn't? Like, seriously, that kid, for all you know, is secretly festering some mm-hmm. some scarring trauma there because who knows it's one thing to uh to dismiss the plight of others it's nothing entirely when you dismiss the plight of your fucking child yeah exactly <laughs> but here's the second moment where we're like oh daniel really wants to kill a cold right he is bloodthirsty well because it's funny because he actually says well we can't kill him here but the face he's making when he says that all of his team members look at him like, Daniel? And he's like, no, I said we can't kill him here. It's like, yeah, but you said it with murder in your eyes, Daniel. Yeah. That's why I, I think that this episode is about him letting go of some of that anger. That's definitely something like, I really feel him in this episode because he's just, he's desperate, he's miserable, mm-hmm. he just wants... He wants his wife back. He wants, he wants his, wants his back. family he back. He kind of just wants to hurt anybody that's in the, yeah, that can no, represent it's, it's what he's It's completely understandable. Yeah. So his his anger, thankfully, isn't that... It, he's bloodthirsty, but he's not in the gross gold yeah, kind of no. way. It's not like for the sake of it. It's not like a sport. It's a focused bloodthirst. Yeah, it's, it's the... It's a, a person wanting anything that can help them deal with what they're going through with the loss of their family. I just appreciate that a lot of this... Um, a lot of this... The first couple seasons mm-hmm. are about that journey of healing that Daniel needs. Yeah. When you have to deal with extreme, great, devastating loss, you tend to do one or two, th- one of two things: become absolutely despondent, mm-hmm. or get really, really angry. Yeah. 
and Jack went down one route, Daniel went down the other. Yeah. And I honestly think I'd go down Daniel's route, because... Yeah, absolutely, I would. Yeah. That's just, that's, that's the kind of level of... I have. Mm-hmm. I feel him. No, it's, absolutely. It, it's like, yeah, you have no chill, but I, I can look at that now, years later, and I understand this first step, and I feel it, and I am like, going, dude, have some chill, but also, everyone be nice to him. Yeah. <laughs> He's going through something. <laughs> so yeah, they're kind of like, stuck in a, a, a pickle. Because... A pickle. <laughs> Because they're like, well, we can't just leave them here with the gold because he will kill them or tell Apophis who will then kill them. Like, there's, we can't leave him here. But then, like, the Nox are like, well, you can't take him either. You can only take him if he'll come with you. Oh, they have this stupid conversation. They're like, well, here, that's another gold with you and, no, he looks different. I do like how you can tell when they're um kind of playing with them mm-hmm. a little bit because their tone an aspect changes because I'm a Shimmerman up until this point. Uh, Antaeus's character has been, you know, no, and very firm and whatever. And then all of a sudden, it goes a little child like, yeah, he's like, you have a Jaffa. But then he goes dumb again, where he's like, well, why can't you convince this one? It's like it's not that simple. Right, you can see this is the evidence of the fact that the Nox have been completely shut off mm-hmm. from other races. Mm-hmm. That he thinks it's that simple. You have yeah. to find a very special person. Yeah. To actually make that work. Yeah. You can't just capture one guy that, by the way, we killed earlier. Yeah. And, oh yeah, we can convert him to our side. No, it doesn't work like that. Especially since, you know, we know, but they don't, obviously. It goes from that, you can say it's kind of playing with him a little bit. But then that bridge happens where he bridges back into just being naive. Because it's completely left unsaid, but Teal'c chose mm-hmm. to join. Absolutely. It's different when you are a free volition and so on, versus captured yeah exactly and converted that becomes like deprogramming it took him which just is a choose thing. he was in yeah. a position of extreme power yeah. when he chose yeah he was the first prime yeah exactly he it was a different situation and also he had the underlying thing of having been not a non-believer exactly and this other guy is very much a believer mm-hmm. and there's that's where the night of the comes back in with the nox is like you don't understand how do you how do you how can you become so fucking removed that you don't even understand what brainwashing is, what indoctrination is, the fact that you're completely incapable or unwilling to understand that. I would, I don't even know if it's that. I think it might be, I'm just, I just thought about this now. (laughs) They have an almost hive mind kind of personality. So maybe they're like, well, if one Jaffa could turn, why can't they all? To be fair, from that argument, dude, yeah, they can. It's just not that simple. No. Like, in real life, the concept of deprogramming is both some people laud it and some people despise it because it can be traumatic. And yeah. it works for some and does not work for mm-hmm. others. It has to be... I don't personally think it's the best idea because it tends to be pretty brutal. Yeah. People tend to just apply it willy-nilly. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're doing here. They're, they're applying a logic that is not a blanket no. logic. No. So then, basically, they decide... Teal will keep an eye on the gold while they try and figure out what the heck they're going to do here and try to talk some sense into Armin Shimmerman. Teal is in there with the woman, and uh, the gold's been tied up, and she's a little upset by that. She's like, why does he have to be tied up so tightly? And Teal's like, he needs to be tied up in case he wakes up and tries to attack you. And I love her little delivery here because she just goes, he deceives you. He's already awake. And then just walks out. <laughs> On one hand, she's not, she's like anybody being really hurt, which mm-hmm. that's fine. I can respect that idea. Like, doesn't like pain in general on a person. Yeah. Fine, cool, dandy. But then she also doesn't really like this guy because she's like, wait, this guy's a liar because he's deceiving. Fuck him, too. He's yeah, awake. Exactly. She's like, <laughs> I don't like any of you. Yeah. <laughs> you all suck. <laughs> um, but credit to Teal when he starts talking to this guy who Teal trained. Like, yeah. that's some background we get is that Teal's like, no, I trained this guy. 
Uh, another reason why it's great that it's after Bloodlines is it shows the difference between his relationship with his teacher versus the relationship exactly. with his student. Exactly. This was definitely when it should have come. Yeah. Teal does try and turn him. Teal gives it his all to be like, look, Apophis is a liar. He's not a real god. You know, this isn't the right way. Like, he tries. It doesn't work. I like how Apophis clearly went and found the guy who was, like, the exact opposite in mentality from Teal. Clearly not the smartest yes. guy. Clearly not the most understanding type. No. But that's the best kind of yeah. line uh-huh. for a follower, which right now is what Apophis needs. He's like, also, it's I've someone who Teal trained. Yeah. Trained. So, yeah, it's like, so clearly capable, but also less free will thinking yep. style, you know, style. So, yes. This Mean- one will do. Meanwhile, the rest of the team are making by hand bow and arrow, which Jack is good at, knows how to make, and can fire. This is my headcanon that totally works, because Daniel's working on, like, I think, like, an arrow, probably. He's, like, kind of smoothing down yeah. a stick. Although, it's the shittiest fucking shaft that could possibly be used. Mm-hmm. For worst possible stick ever. I swear to God, I can see Dan- Jack knowing that Daniel will be useless with this, just finding a stick and a stone and just making him feel useful. Yes. Just here. Just, just giving one. him a project. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're helping. And Daniel being like, okay, and he's doing this shit fucking job probably on, on the worst it's possible the, thing it's ever. It's the dad giving the child, like, yeah. a plastic hammer to fake nail. Literally, my dad, used yes. to give me a, my dad used to give me a fake hammer and a fake nail and a, a plastic piece of wood that had pre-cut holes in it. <laughs> yes! And he would That's let me help him while he was Daniel. working in the garage. And I would just pound in these nails and then take them out and do it all over again. And I was, I was helping. I... Nothing about that made sense, but I was helping, and I knew it. That's definitely what he was doing with Daniel. But he's got enough arrows to test it out, so he goes off on his own into the woods a little bit and is testing out his arrows. Which, bow crafting is a is an art, <laughs> a bit of a science even, and also there was no tension on that bow, I'm going to point no. out. Nothing about that made sense, and also he fletched the shit out of that arrow. So I need some backstory on how the hell Jack <laughs> is that good at crafting. I could, I can believe it. I just, yeah. It's just funny to me that he's that fucking good at making a bow, which also that the, the wood was too thick. Everything yeah. about that didn't no, make no, sense. No. But perfect form, uh-huh. let's go beautifully. It's like a dead, perfect aim shot. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the kid followed him out. I love the kid. So curious. No, the kid is great. The kid's got this really great wide-eyed look, but he starts like talking to Jack. And there's a very good conversation. Like, what I like about this is that it basically poses Armin Sherman's character's entire philosophy. But the way it's posed, it's like, yeah, that's a really childlike, naive philosophy. Because it's said through the mouth of this child. Exactly. So basically, the kid asks, why do you want to fight them? And Jack says, I don't. Yeah. And then the kid says, then don't. And Jack goes, it's not that simple. Because it's not. But the kid's words are words that Armin Shimmerman has already been saying. Mm-hmm. But he's, it's just simplified. It's not, like, done with all the pretty, you know, flowery, we know better than you language. It's a child talking to him. But it is the same message. Because a kid, if a kid doesn't want to do something, a kid has doesn't. that choice yeah. of not having to do it. And the Knox also have yeah. that choice. And a lot of people don't want to fight. A lot of people are forced mm-hmm. to fight. Sometimes sometimes decisions are made for you because not everybody has the ability to remove themselves mm-hmm. from the situation. This kid doesn't know any of that, so yeah. it's just beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and I like, while Jack is talking to the youngest member, Daniel's talking to the oldest member. I love that guy. He's cool. I love him so much. I don't know the actor, but him and Michael Shanks play off of each other in this scene so well. I love how Daniel's so respectful. Yes, he is. Well, because at one point earlier when uh, Armin Shimmerman was, like, very resistant to them, 
they, Daniel asks, is there an elder we could talk to? Like, like someone who isn't you, who's in charge? Yeah. Which is basically what they're doing. But they're like, oh yeah, this guy. He's the oldest member of our, of our people. And so Daniel goes to talk to him. And it's just, he's very respectful. And he really just wants to learn from him. And he's just asking him, you know, insightful questions and just, listening. And unlike Armin Sherman, this guy's giving, like, genuine, understandable answers. Like, he's giving comprehensible answers. It's very similar to the conversation that Daniel has with the leader of the Tolan uh, later on in the mm-hmm. Tolan episode. It's, little, it's a nice It's a nice little parallel, thing, yeah. yeah. It, and it makes sense because he probably had to deal with Kasuf all the time. So he knows exactly what to do. He This is where he thrives. Mm-hmm. Whereas Abydos didn't really have an Armin Sherman. If they did, it was him. Yeah. So Daniel doesn't know how to talk to this guy. This guy is for Jack to deal with. Yeah. But he can talk to the elder. The one who's willing to have a discourse. Yeah, exactly. He is. So he communicates And there's a well. there's a cute little exchange where um he asks how old the guy is and there's a little bit where he's like, Well, how do you measure time? And Daniel does like a little rundown or whatever. And the guy thinks for a minute and goes, I am four hundred and thirty two years old. Actually what I love about that is as he's explaining, you know, planet versus I'm sorry, a day versus a year as he's saying 365 days in the year as he, before he even finishes the sentence the guy's like that i am 400 they just tell you how smart they are yeah exactly cool he was doing the math while yeah. daniel was talking like, that's like damn but yeah so he says i'm 432 years old and daniel goes you look great <laughs> his expression is so good because he's just like wow um yeah you look great that's one thing i love about sci-fi is whenever they introduce an alien species almost exclusively all aliens they're older than they always have way back. longer lifespans than humans so i just every time i watch sci-fi i always get we had almost the exact same exactly. exchange between exactly. gray and shaft I, I always feel like, I'm, like humanity just got the shaft man yeah like, why are our lifespans average of like what 70 years if we're lucky and everybody else apparently all the other aliens out there get like 200 minimum fuck you it's not fair we are very young <laughs> 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 but I love that after he goes, you look great. The guy just looks off camera for a minute and goes, thank you. And then just walks off. It's just, I love their whole exchange. He, as, he can tell it's a compliment, but he doesn't get it as yeah. a compliment. So he's like, thank you. I just, I would love to see it on an entire episode that's just the two of them. Yeah, They're yeah. so good. They are wonderful. Because they understand what the other is trying to say and is taking, they're taking everything that's being said in the correct context mm-hmm. as a result. It's that they are both giving the same amount of effort and to reach the other. Understanding. Yes. It's just it's like these three key things that are often missing or purposely not given. This scene is where I realize what I think this episode is about. About the whole thing about Daniel letting go of his anger. Because they made sure that Daniel had this five minute scene where he's just talking with this guy about their race's philosophies, about life and the earth, and all of this energy, and all of that stuff. And I think that was just, it was a healing moment for him. It's not a fixing moment for him, but it is a healing moment. And after this, we don't see him shoot another tank of unprotected gold larvae. Between this and the Tolan episode, he settles a little bit. So that's, that, this is the scene where I realized that. Uh, yeah, so it was a really great scene, and I loved it. Back to Jack and the kid, the giant dragonfly monster... (laughs) comes out of the sky, not invisible, and looks like it's attacking. I actually think I, he was hovering. Maybe it wasn't, but it looks like it Either is. way, no matter what it was, its intention was, it mm. did look ominous as Yeah, well. exactly. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. What, so, whatever so Jack's was going to do, was it adequate. looked dangerous. Yeah. So Jack, like, shoves the yeah. Freyu off to the side, like, out of the way, and, like, aims for it. So he's like, I'm going to protect this kid. Yeah. 
And then it disappears again. Yes. And Jack finds out, oh, these creatures didn't have the ability to turn invisible. It was you guys. Because uh-huh. Armature Merman comes up and is like, hey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, he, he realized like, the kid was, he was talking to the kid about the, uh, the bow and arrow and everything. Yeah. And he's like, you will not teach the fruit of your ways. He's like, I wasn't trying to. I was, your kid, first off, came up to me. Exactly. Off, I was incorrect or not, was trying to defend him, I yeah. thought. So, fight me. <laughs> exactly. But then when he finds out, no, it's the knocks we're doing, he's like, God, this is even worse. They're the ones responsible for the invisibility. They have a gold in their camp. If this guy finds out that they're the ones responsible, he's going to tell Apophis, and Apophis will not stop until they are either captured or dead. And Teal'c even confirms that. He's like, no, if he can't, if he can't capture one of them to use, he will just, from the sky, rain fire down on the, on, on the planet. Which fits perfectly with that mm-hmm. idea. Absolutely. And it kind of just, I understand that, honestly, this just keeps lending, in my opinion, I think it just lends more weight to my theory that it's less to do with the visibility and more to do with phasing. Yeah. Yeah. Phasing, I, transportation. Yeah. I think they're using blink. I think, yeah, there you go. I think it's more of that because... But they keep calling it invisibility, yeah, so... Yeah, their whole thing about the invisibility, as, you know, throwing all that stuff on there, is if you can't have it, they're going to destroy it. The only thing that makes their response of, we're not afraid... Is if it's a phasing. Is if it's a phasing. Thing. Like, they're literally, there is nothing to be afraid yeah. of. I kind of get it. It's more of just that arrogance aspect, but... Telling that to people who are clearly trying to understand and help, you don't just have to dismiss them with stupid responses. Yeah. Because if, if they don't have all the information and you just keep saying the same thing over yeah. and over again, they're just going to think that you're being dumb. Yeah. It's not going to convince them of anything. No. But sure, just keep doing the same stupid argument over and over again without giving them the benefit of the doubt whatsoever. No. <laughs> just in time for them to be worried about it, the gold breaks out. He stabs Teal'c in the stomach uh, and kills the woman. With that blade that I definitely think somebody, somebody should have seen, slash double checked. It's just, it's one of those, those things where it's just attention to, like a character attention to detail. It's, if I see some guy tied up, great. If I know that Jafar is a threatening thing, and I'm, I'm a Jafar, and I know that the knocks took away my weapons, great. I'm still gonna just check. check. You think. It doesn't hurt to check. It takes like a second. And for all you know, maybe you find something. And if you don't, oh no, I wasted 30 seconds of mm-hmm. my time. Cool, but now I know. And I was afforded the security of knowledge. Exactly. So, so, so he gets stabbed, and the blade gets retracted with no blood on it. That's oh, all I can see. The reason this happens in the first place is because Teal goes to talk to him again. Uh, the guy gets uh, pissed at him yeah, and starts and starts yelling like Teal is hurting him. The woman rushes in. Teal is five feet away from this guy. The woman rushes in and gives him this accusing look. And goes, "What are you doing to him?" Silk's five feet away. What do you think he's doing? He's creating a distraction. <laughs> and when she does that, he breaks out of his binds, stabs Teal'c, and kills her. Then we find out that um, the Nox take her and start healing her. And while they're healing her, they become visible. And uh, the guy escaped. Yeah, yeah. In the process. Oh, well, yeah. He he escaped before they found yeah, her. Yeah, just like he's out there killing her. That was him yeah. escaping. Except, like they chase after him for a bit. Uh, but he easily dodges them. He loops back around. One of, like, four times where Tilt keeps saying, I actually trained him well, I trained him well, mm-hmm. I trained him well. I was like, chill, we got it, thank you. He loops back around and sees the Nox becoming visible while they're healing this woman. So he knows they are the ones responsible for the phasing. Or at least have their own the version of it. The exact thing that the team was afraid yeah, of. Yep, exactly. So oh, he leaves. The children had a point. <laughs> he leaves to go find Apophis. Yeah. They learn, like, from the Nox you know, verbally, yeah, when we're healing, we can't phase as well. We don't, we, our power has to be focused on the healing and not on the phasing. To which Jack's like, okay, so that's not great. And then yeah. his response is just, we're shielded now. Okay, see, the way he, like, ahead. yeah, but the guy left. Right, but the way he, and like, also, where's it? your fucking son, you dumbass? 
I love it though because Shimmerman's portrayal of it is great because he says it with a slight hesitation and his facial expression kind of tells you that he's a little bit aware of what but Jack's saying. But he's still trying here. to right. be ambivalent, not ambivalent. Above, uh, he's still trying to be above them. Uh, yeah, um, 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 omniscient kind omniscient, of. Omniscient, yeah. Yeah, the omnipotent type. Yeah, omnipotent. Fucking, what's that word? Omnipotent type mm-hmm. mentality. But you can tell that he's kind of he's aware. He's starting of what to. He's well, like, yeah, because like, yeah, that, that's a fair point. His so wife just now. got freaking killed by this guy that they told him was a danger. And oh, look at that, he was. Like, you kind of have a point, human, but it's moot because we're shielded now. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack and Teal are like, well, we have to track this guy down. We have to stop him from letting a pop now. They go out to track him, and the kid follows them. Yep. Because these people can't keep an eye on their children. All I can think is Walking and they Dead. Give the joke the like, where's Carl? Where's Carl? Where's Carl? And they give the excuse of like, oh, the young do not always do Listen, as oh, do, do as they're told. told. But it's like, you can keep a better eye on your child. Yeah. By the way, the young do not always do as you're told. They're told. So this is a fact you're aware of. Parents do not always keep an eye on their children, apparently. Oh, yeah. oh is, that, is that not a thing? Okay. So you can, you can keep an eye on us closely enough to stop me from shooting an arrow at a giant bug creature, but you can't keep an eye on your child to stop him from meeting a system yeah. lord. Your incredibly curious child is now wandering the forest with what you know are enemies, or at least antagonistic people, aggressive people with weapons. Mm-hmm. Because surprise, surprise, the kid runs into Apophis alone. And just walks up and says, Nefrey, you. And I, I loved Apophis' yeah, face. I, it could, it, it, I can go either way. It could be the actor, as I originally thought, or it could just actually make, make sense like, with the character, because everyone sees a kid and goes, aw. <laughs> and like you were saying, a kid's not threatening, and not a lot of people are not threatened by a Yeah, exactly. So, I just think it's just like, it's, it's new for Apophis to have anyone approach him and not either be right. angry at him, or terrified of right. him. For He's me, still gonna kill this kid, yeah. which he does. <laughs> for me, what it just—it looked to me like, like the my, actor was like, "Oh, what a just cute for like kid!" For a second, his face twitched because it was just for a second, just pure affection on yeah. his face. Just oh man, <laughs> as he sees this kid walk up to him, just oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and was, I could see Peter Williams coming through there. It wasn't. Yeah. It didn't really look like Apophis so much as Peter Williams. It wasn't a flaw though. No, it was great. <laughs> uh, so the kid's dead. Oh no! <laughs> Whoops. And they're like, okay, well, we need to heal him again. And Jack's like, this is exact. This is a trap. This is exactly what they want. The moment you start healing him and you are defenseless, they are going to attack you. Let us defend you at the very least. And again, no. I like the <laughs> idea, though, that Apophis only killed the kid. Not that he had any qualms about killing the kid. He killed him for a strategic reason. Exactly. It wasn't that he wanted to kill a kid. I just, like, yeah, a he had a line. reason to. There's a slight line there. We distinctly see um, <laughs> the gold meet with another gold and inform them yeah. of what he knows. Yeah. So we know Apophis knows exactly. their weakness. Yeah. And then Apophis meets the kid. Yeah. It's nice to me that I, it's not like I'm like praising the character at all. I'm not like saying he's, so he's like, yeah. Really a good no, no. Guy. It's just I do enjoy the idea well, that he's not one hundred percent evil, just ninety nine point nine percent evil. <laughs> I think it's important to have. Uh, that's part of the reason that Ball is such a great villain later on. I love Ball. Yeah, because he's not a one note villain. He's a villain who has a personality. Yeah. And I think Stargate does a really good job of giving us villains mm-hmm. like that. I like the idea that. If the kid hadn't presented a strategic opportunity... He would have just been like, okay, leave, go away. like a kid like that. I could see him kidnapping the kid to have him as like... As a, a hostage. Like, like Raw did with his... Yeah, you know, those kids. Yeah. Like, I could see him... I don't being, think Apophis is a pedophile, though. Well, like, not from the pedophilic <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say, like, more like... Like, raise that, him to be yeah, another uh, you know, host. Type. Yeah. Maybe a host. My whole thing is I could just see him being like, 
this kid is a nice shiny toy kind yeah. of aspect, but also it's cute. It's <laughs> I can see him I don't think just he going down the non-harm route. Yeah, I don't think he, he would have immediately yeah, killed him yeah. if he hadn't had he a, no problem a trap yeah, planned. Yeah. So unsurprisingly, the team are frustrated as hell. They're like, we don't even want to like attack them actively. We just want to be here as a defense line for you. You know they're going to attack you. And Armstrong is just like, no, no, no. <laughs> And they're like, fine, we're going, we're going back home. We're not going to sit here and watch you die. And of course, Jack's lying. <laughs> he gets just far enough away that he knows the Nox can't stop him <laughs> and sets up another ambush. Yep. And this time, the reason he was fashioning the bow and arrow wasn't just so that he would actually have a weapon on hand. It was also because he theorized that Apophis' shield wouldn't keep out a slower moving... It's physics. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of an equal... An op- oh my god. An action has an equal and opposite reaction, so a high velocity impact like a, a blast weapon or a bullet mm-hmm. would have... Would the kinetic Ricochet, energy? Yeah, yeah. The kinetic energy would have a response. Whereas aspect. the arrow would be slow enough that it could get through. Yeah, it's a solid what I theory. like is it's a solid theory, and it's, never and it's definitely a solid theory because of the fact that I've seen this theory used other places, mm-hmm. where like a shield keeps out a bullet. They're like, well, let's use a bow and arrow, or let's use a knife. You know, mm-hmm. something that's not Farscape that fast. Does it. Farscape does it. Even. It's it's a common. I don't I don't know if it's a common, but I've seen it used more than once, and I like it. My- favorite episode of Farscape is called Lava's a Many Slender Thing, and I bring it up a lot because of the Louis Costello joke they do in it, but honestly, it's a great scene because they have the enemies have these shield things, and I say shield things because that's actually a line where Dargo asks John, like, what's your plan? He goes, okay, so we're gonna hit him with a rock. That's your plan. Yeah. You want to hit him with a rock when they have these, like, shield things? Yeah, we saw him get burned by lava. Yeah, but not by a rock. He loses his shield. It's just like, <laughs> So yeah, sci-fi shows have done that a lot, and it makes sense because it is based on physics. Mm-hmm. So I like it. So they lay out another ambush, and... Oh, sorry, I just cracked every bone in my body there for a second. Continue. Sure enough, Apophis' team starts to move in on the Nox, and Jack's team does another ambush. Mm-hmm. And I like that when the first staff weapon blasts start happening mm-hmm. you cut back to the Nox for mm-hmm. a minute and you see them actually like stop because they're like startled and a little afraid because they're realizing oh he was right <laughs> they were coming to kill us but then armor shimmer is like okay we'll deal with that later we have to fix him now so yeah. like the the elder and the woman stopped and like and he just grabs their hands and brings them back up he's like okay we gotta fix him now i'll deal with that after and his way of dealing with that after is right when jack's <laughs> about to use the bow and arrow on apophis mm. He disappears it again. Which I love because it doesn't actually disprove the theory with the uh, arrow no. thing. Because mm-hmm. you never get to see it because, and again, also lends more weight to my <laughs> idea that's phasing because the arrow just goes through him. Yeah. It's not that he became invisible. So yeah, if they had poked around for the gate, they probably wouldn't have felt it. It probably got phased out. Yeah. But you don't know that unless you try. They, but, like, yeah. The they didn't know it was phasing. Through. Here's a question I have real quick. Is there any reason why they can't just wait to revive the kid? Until like enemies uh, are like yeah. right there. Well, they, they don't explain, have to be right away. They don't, they don't explain the reasons for it. But they do indicate that there has... They do insinuate... They imply that it has to be quick. Because yeah. at one point, when when they first say this is a trap, mm-hmm. Apophis wants you to become vulnerable and then he'll attack. When when they do say that, the woman says, well, what if we take him to the others? Oh, that's right. Okay, never mind. And uh, Armin Shimmerman says, 
it would be too late. Okay, so yes. That, that was so the there is a time limit. We don't know what it is. Residual we don't brain know why. And, and who knows? It could be anything. But there is a time limit there. That makes sense. I mean, it doesn't not make sense. Yeah, I just... no. Yeah, yeah. They, they actually cover that in, their, cool. in the episode. But yeah, so the knocks stopped them from actually laying down. The... And it wasn't even going to be a killing shot. Jack had like one trank that like was in his pocket yeah. that the knocks missed. And he tied that to the bow and arrow. So he was going to trank like the how office. extremely optimistic he was that, that would get to the chain mail. Too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe it's like a, lot, like a long dart. Because, like, those those things do tend to have, like, long delivery systems. It was systems. longer. Because it has to, like, for example, like, with a rhino, like, there's... It was thick hide It was shit. probably about yeah. that so long. So there's a chance it could have gone through. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was high no. probability of it, but... I it mean, was like, worth his, a try. His optimism was there. But, yeah, no, they had to ruin it for him. And all I can think there is, great job, guy. You just killed who knows how many people. Uh, but but uh, your, your actions enabled this guy to... Yeah, exactly. more people. And they basically send the gold back to their gate. They're like, get, get the fuck off our planet. <laughs> It's a weirdly convenient and quick wrap-up. I know. Just, by the way, they're gone. Go away. <laughs> uh, but they have a little bit of a final wrap-up conversation with Jack and his team, where by now, because of that whole them defending them, being proven right about the fact that they're like, no, Apophis is using this as a trap to attack you. We just want to be here to defend you. Mm-hmm. We're not here to fight. We're here to defend you at this point. He finally believes them, which is why at this point, he finally asks them why they fight. Mm-hmm. And Tilk does a wonderful job of summing it up in four words. Well, he says, we believe. We believe that the strong should defend the weak. That's it. That's what they're doing. And as soon as he says that, you see, like, a little bit of a, an understanding in her Armistrand's eyes, finally, where he's like, oh, I don't agree with you, but I understand you, finally. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still... This episode ends with neither side agreeing with the other. But at least they have, like, an But it ends with both si- both sides understanding yeah. the other. Like a general understanding mm-hmm. of past. Yeah. I'm all about the prime directive in you know, Star Trek. Sometimes you can't help the weak because yeah. you can't interfere with the natural order of things. But sometimes, when the natural order is already being messed with, yeah. there's, there's always going to be factors that decide one way or the other. But for the most mm-hmm. part, those with the ability to help should consider themselves in the position of being responsible mm-hmm. and required to at least try. I don't. I just don't budge on that moral aspect. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, if somebody's not asking for your help, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Again, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. It just really does depend on a lot of things. But for the most part, it's not a bad thing to see somebody no. who is in danger and wanting to help them. I think... Okay, so I said earlier that I think this episode is about Daniel letting go of some of his anger. I think it's also a good episode for framing how dangerous a simplification of the Prime Directive can be. And this this show as a whole does that a couple of times. They don't stray away from the fact that the Prime Directive is a nice, um... It's also a thing at Star Trek, so yeah, I mean, you can use that. Just yeah. I'm like, just making sure people are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But they, they basically say, like, hey, it looks good on paper. It's a nice theory. Mm-hmm. It's a nice philosophy to have. But sometimes it makes things worse. Yeah. Sometimes you have to, you always should take a step back, and before you do anything, always take a moment to think about why you're doing something, and who are you to decide this? The context of the situation yeah. at hand. Yeah. Not every situation is going to need the same solution. Exactly. Nothing is ever black and white. No. Very, very rarely is something black and white. And honestly, when it comes to these kinds of situations... And unfortunately, the older races are so powerful that they do believe in it. Yeah. And they just apply a blanket solution that is, like, great, dandy. At least they have the decency to remove themselves so entirely that we don't have to deal with Mm -hmm. them being these dicks about yeah. it. Which is basically how they decide to end this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a part where, like, 
they explain, hey, we sent the gold back home. After we send you home, we're going to get rid of the gate. Yeah, we're going to bury it. Yeah. Because now they know it's a reason no matter what. Exactly. So. And they're like, well, then they'll definitely know that you're here. And they're like, well, they can still come here. They can still do something. They have ships. They can still hurt you. And then he's like, let me show you something. And then they make this giant floating city suddenly appear in the sky. I like how he has the ability with a wave of his hand to something that's miles away, yeah. floating in the sky, to just gently. I'm wondering lower if he wasn't him. really removing anything from it, but from them, giving them the like a filter or something yeah. to mm-hmm. see through the phasing, or whatever. Oh, it's totally Olympus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Totally Olympus. It's it uh, also brings to mind like the feel of um, Asgard in in the Marvel yeah. movies. I just like the Olympus feel because like they're the docks, you know. Yeah, so it's very yeah. Cool. It's, it's like mm-hmm. night and Nyx, the goddess of exactly. the. Just I love that they're parallels. they're the Nox, but they're in like this bright, grassy, flowery. It's like. That's kind of a conflict of the... I'm guessing it has something to do with the idea of cover of night, yeah. so invisibility. Like, there's there's a parallel there, I guess. I figure it just has to do with, like, the magic aspect. Because be they're posed I as just, a very magical people. I just always went with the idea of cover of night for yeah. stealth purposes. That's fine. Either way, um, very Olympian. But in that moment, the team's like, oh, you guys were never in any danger. <laughs> and it's always, it's like, dude, if you could just, you, you guys are telling us things as if we should listen to you while giving us... Nothing. You don't even have to show us your ways. You could just at least explain... We have technology to keep us safe. To keep us safe. You could just say that. These people are clearly demonstrating like, okay, concern. Your thing works for you because you don't have that defense, but you don't need to apply your practices to us mm-hmm. because we have a way to cover ourselves. Either don't explain yourselves or do explain exactly. yourselves. Don't go halfway mm-hmm. because that just causes so much friction. Yeah. Which is why we yes. had so much friction in yeah. this episode. And of course, despite the fact that they've kind of decided to be like, okay, well, you have your way. We have our way. We're just going to part ways. <laughs> Armin Shimmerman's character can't resist one last little better than that than you thing where he goes, one day you will learn your way is not the only way. It's like, Really? And what about you? Are you going to do that? I, know, I, I literally just, straight to TV screen, well, that's ironic. It was just an interesting episode to explore ideas. Yeah, it's a good good conceptual episode. Like, even if it's a really conceited thing to say, the conceit behind it is still an interesting posing of the fact that they've, yeah, they've been to 19 worlds. Out of how many? Like we were saying, the Nox just have this, you know... <laughs> We know better than you, you should listen to us, you are children, blah, 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 thing going on. But what they're saying in this moment is that you barely touch the surface of what's out there. You're going to run into other people who have completely warring ideologies from you. Mm-hmm. It's time you learn to start dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, up until this point, SG-1 hasn't really done anything about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can be annoyed with the Nox. But I think all of the things that are brought up in this episode are important oh. to the team as a whole. Yeah. I can hate the Nox, but I can love this mm-hmm. episode. And they, they close off again, like, after he says that. They close off again with the line that they were they used on Nefreyu. And they bring it back for the Tolan later on, which I love when they use it for the Tolan. But they basically say, the young do not always do as they're told. I know, I love which that. is basically like a, sure, your, your philosophy's great and all, but we're not taking it. We have our philosophy, go fuck off. I like the way Jack says the line, though, because it's like he says it with like the understanding of why the guy yeah. said it, but also it's just kind of like the young do not always are told, undercut with, because no one tells them jerk shit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I like that they're both, like, using these flowery phrases <laughs> where Armin Shimmerman's saying, you're not bad people, but you're babies. I know, it's like, you it's need okay, to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Jack's going, yeah, we're not you. We have our own way of doing things. 
and we're going to keep having our own way of doing things. You have your way of doing things, we have our way of doing things. They don't meet in the middle. There's nothing we can do about that. And yeah, sure, we're younger than you. That's why we have to do things this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have, in order to get to where you are, we have to develop this exactly. mentality you have. And personally, I hope to God... They never do? They never... I hope to God humanity never gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Because that's just... It's inexcusable! No. To go from... The strong must defend the weak. To the strong must stand by and do absolutely yep. nothing. Like, I'm not saying we have to do everything, but it, it, I don't know. Just If you're going to remove yourself, just do it 100%. You know what this <laughs> makes me think of? Yeah. The first Black Panther movie. I yeah. only say the first because we know there's another right, one coming right, right. out. That, that makes sense. It's that whole conflict of Complete Wakanda was completely cut off, mm-hmm. whereas um, Michael B. Jordan's character comes in and he's like, we have the power to protect all of our people out there, mm-hmm. to help all of our people who are being trod down on out mm-hmm. there, and you're just hiding here. Yeah. But at least when they were hiding, they weren't being dicks about yeah. it. Like, they weren't coming around being like, so Lori get over doing. you. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That's that's what we were talking about earlier. Um, when we were watching the episode and you were talking about how there's, like, an SGA, there's a planet, who, like, is more advanced than yeah, they pretend to be. Yeah, yeah they, uh... Well, kind of is the same thing. Yeah. They, they're so advanced that they can pretend to be not advanced. Yeah. It's the idea of we're smart enough to know that... Not to rub it in people's faces. Yeah, because that just causes problems. Uh-huh. But I love the episode because of yeah. what it presents to you as an argument. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like Everyone can get their own we answers have to, out of it, but it's good. We had to pause this episode a lot to, like, talk through these points. It took us almost two hours to watch the episode. Yeah, it did. Because there's so much to talk about there. Yeah, yeah this, this, is, this is... Even when I'm done editing, it's going to be one of the longer ones. Yeah. And honestly, it's not a bad thing no. when, when it's a good episode mm-hmm. like this. When there's stuff to actually yeah. talk about. There's a lot to unpack there. So, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, thumbs up, man. Yeah? Two thumbs up. Same. Like, some sloppiness, some this, some yeah, that. But yeah, it's really, the, really small shit. Like <laughs> we were saying, there were definitely slop, sloppy moments in it that could have been tightened up. The di- directing wasn't great, but... It says something for the premise of the episode that it didn't suffer much for that. No, it was it was it was well executed. That's mm-hmm. all that matters to me. Absolutely. So thumbs up. In the up. end, well executed mm-hmm. with a, with a decent storyline. Yeah. And this one has the added benefit of all of the discussion that it prompts. Absolutely. So death tally. We we already covered this a little, <laughs> although we had to do a little correction because the synopsis made us think that the entire team died. Yeah, because it's and Teal'c does not die. Technically, okay, actually, it's a little annoying. It does say resulting in fatalities among the SG One team. Fair so enough. So it doesn't okay. technically say they all die. So, but that does mean we finally have some real death tallies. Yeah. Uh, since the movie, <laughs> we got to add a death tally for Daniel. We got to add a death tally for Sam, and we got to add a death tally for Jack, which leaves Daniel at. Two. two. And one for Sam and one for Jack. Teal'c is still at zero. Mm-hmm. And um, two legal deaths for Daniel. Yeah, two legal deaths for Daniel is correct. I do like when I, that scene happens, like when he's waking up, he's like looking down and stuff. I swear to God, half his expression. Not again. God damn it, not again. Because <laughs> that's the thing, when he got killed in uh, the movie, it was the same thing. Exactly. Where he's got a hole in his yeah, shirt and he looks down at the healed skin. It is the same. You know what? He was probably f- terrified that he'd gotten captured by Apophis and put in a sarcophagus. Yeah. That was probably that moment. And then, like, when he walks out and he sees that he's, like, among, like, grassy fairy type people, he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> My, my, my joke was always, you know, I gotta stop wearing my favorite shirts under my uniform. Like, <laughs> he goes to work in my, you know, your favorite yes. band tee, and it's just, god damn it. <laughs> it's that natural distress yeah. look. <laughs> natural distress look. Giant hole. Yes. Burned through. All right. Beautiful. Once again, you kind of spoiled yourself for this earlier, but uh, Jack or Daniel? I, 
I'm a Daniel for once. You know, I think I'm going to have to say I'm a Jack uh, for this one. Because, like, I definitely got a lot more frustrated. Like, while we're talking about the episode, I was definitely coming at it more from the angle of discussing the philosophy behind mm-hmm. it right, more. Right. But if I had been in that situation, right. <laughs> I would have been the Jack being like, why the fuck won't you listen to me? <laughs> Stop condescending to me and actually listen to any of the words I am saying. If I, you know, I would talk to that first guy uh-huh. and be like, all right, can't talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> this dude. <laughs> Let's try this dude over here. <laughs> oh, cool. And like that, that that scene where the guy's like licking the sap. And he's yes. like, want some? And Dana I'm goes, trying to I'm cut qu- back. I'm trying to cut back. And my only response there was, honestly, I feel like I would just would have been like something smart ass yeah. about that too. Just, you know, I- I'm good. <laughs> But yeah, I I just I feel I felt more of his uh, despair a little I, bit. At this. I'm also a Jack in the whole. Well, fine, we're gonna go back to our gate instead of watching you die, fifty feet away. Okay, turn back. We're gonna. <laughs> and I would have been like, oh, oh we're not doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, who wants to give me a gun? No one. Cool. <laughs> we don't have guns. Remember, they took them. <laughs> cool. Cool. I'll just uh... hide behind a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not gonna lick that sap at all. Nope. Just nope. <laughs> And then while you're just waiting, hmm, just, maybe. Yeah, literally, literally, just pass away, just... No one's watching, right? Just surreptitiously just poke. Okay. And just... Dude, I think I have three jacks now. It's amazing. It only took us 13 episodes. We finally, you know, we're finally making some slight progress on that front. Oh, man. Cool. Yeah. So, uh... Next weekend. I... Sh- that's it for today. I'm calling it out. We're, we're allowed to say next week's episode, not title. That's it. Because we're not yeah, starting yeah, yeah. that okay. again. <laughs> so, um, we're, we have a habit lately of, like, discussing the episode we when we discuss the title. Pre-discuss. Yeah, we I, do I'm a little okay with it, because it's a little bit. It's just, it's, it's a one, little... The next week's episode... Think about, <laughs> think about how... Next week on. Yeah. Ha, the, yeah. the little, yeah. like, ten-second thing you'll get. <laughs> next That's week. What, that's what we do usually. Next this one, point of origin. <sighs> yeah. This one, if we get started, I'm gonna go to bed late and be a zombie for work. So we're just not. I'm gonna say the title, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna go into our closing spiel. That's it. Yep. That's that's we're we're laying down the law right now. So next week we will cover episode thirteen, Hathor. So. If you want to get a hold of us, you can feel it in my soul. You can find me on Twitter at it's Mel, not Liss, or Liss at it's Liss, not Mel. You can use our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. And as always, you can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursions through the iris. And until next time. Bye.